Because if we don't get the cold open and right, then we'll fucking ruin our 100th episode. So we're going to settle this right here, right now. It's the A-Team. It's got to be the A-Team. The only thing I agree with you is that we'll fuck up the opening if we don't get this right. And clearly it's Digital Noise Assemble. Ah, but that's such a played-out assembled joke. But if you don't have Harry Dean Stanton to ground us, does anybody really care? (laughs) Jeez. All right. right. Expendables? Maybe Expendables. I mean, you guys are basically old. That that works, right? Expendables? You guys. (laughs) Mission Unreleasable? Mission Unre... That's also... I don't know. I think we got to go back to A-Team. That was the working title of most of those movies anyway. Yeah, that's true. What are we talking about? (laughs) The the best name uh, that we use for us as in a group. we got to come up with a great team. Oh, yeah, the cold opening. Yeah, Baby's Day Out. That's it! Baby's Day Out! We got a winner. It makes so much sense when you think about it. You know, the one constant... There's a lot of different voices in this room, but there's always been one constant to this show. What's that? Beer! Because no one else will. No live audience. We no. are, we're not cancelled because we run the show. <laughs> if, the, if the cat's paws weren't so fuzzy, you would just hear, you know, six well, rounds of applause. I feel kind of kind of silly for setting up uh, the stadium seating for the audience and nobody showed. Yeah, I probably should have sent invites out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't do that so much. Uh, yeah, and probably shouldn't have had it in a burned out warehouse on the east side of town with a big sign that says, Beware of Jaguars. Well, I did try to invite people, but it was an old rusty panel van, and I kept offering children candy. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was just your nickname was Rusty Panel Van. Well, I mean, kind of, by association. No, only his, only his porn name. Oh, my God, Rusty Panel Van would be a great porn name. <laughs> I'm just really glad that three quarters of you actually wore pants this time. <laughs> Guess who didn't? His name's Chris. <laughs> really? If you can crack that code. <laughs> these are technically pants. Yeah. They cover my groin. And th- these have the, the, the Velcro ripaways. Rip so oh, well, there you go. go. They so do cover his groin, go. and thank goodness for small miracles. The, Very small in this case. There you go, Russ. Oh. Good job. <laughs> well, as you can see, the gang's all here. We're almost the whole gang. Unfortunately, Sam couldn't make it this week because he is working on Jaws live on he's, stage. He's been eaten by a shark. Yeah, well, he is the shark. Twice a night. <laughs> it's actually good because we don't have a big boat. This we is don't. as big as it gets. Yeah, this is pretty big. So, of course, we've got Brian. Hello. Self here, Chris, and Johnny Neal's here. Hey. And Joe is here. Ahoy, ahoy. And Richard's here. Yep, of course, always. And, you know, we're going to do the, the normal digital noise thing where we're going to review titles that came out this week, but we're also going to answer a lot of a lot of viewer mail this week to try and make you guys feel like you got something special. But my long story thing. short, most of us dress to the right. To the right? Yeah. Well, are you like a, a, a commentator on Fox News? <laughs> right. That's now he that just means. looks at dicks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Fox News. Yeah, there you go. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. <laughs> Where is Torgo? You got your work cut out for you because we got a lot of uh, questions to answer this week in the letterbox. You've got mail. The letterbox, hooray! Yay, I'm still nice. baffled that this show has lasted 100 episodes, even with us running the website. It's crazy. <laughs> the letterbox, the letterbox, is my favorite part of the show. Is it? I, I love reading letters from people who 
you know, have any interest at all in, in writing them and well, getting a response. We're just going to read what we've got this week. We, and uh, some of this, uh, we start off Burke Cocaine. There's a name for you. Doesn't really have a question so much. He just wants to say thank you. He says, oh, uh, you're it, it says, his question for additional noise, episode 100 is more of a thank you. I've been listening since episode one of Remote Viewing and I've followed you through all 99 laugh and anger filled adventures. Jesus and Christ, I forgot some, about Remote Viewing. There have been some anger. Uh, if it was not for this podcast, it would not get my daily fill of geek filmdom that led me to purchasing one of my favorite movies on Blu-ray, Ray Metropolis. Thank you, and if I never meet you all in person, cheers of beers and a hundred more episodes to come. And then he lands with cocaine! 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 I, I can swear I have met cocaine in person. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I, I guess he doesn't remember. It's a Robin Williams joke. You ever had that dream that you're doing cocaine, that you're dreaming that you're doing cocaine, that you're dreaming that you're doing cocaine, and you wake up and you're doing cocaine... You might be addicted. It's very possible. I don't get it. <laughs> you clearly have never been there. Uh, Ringed with fo- Tile says, who is the most famous, highly praised filmmaker you haven't seen a single movie from? I think before the last couple months, it was Errol Morris. Yeah? I had never seen, and now thank- thankfully, Johnny Neal and I, well, I don't know about thankfully. That was but- like bad prom date cherry popping. Yes, it was. I was like, ugh. Yeah. I gotta go with Douglas Sirk. I've yeah. never seen a Douglas Sirk. I don't know that I have either. And his name pops up all the time. Yeah. And I've never seen a single movie. I don't movie. know if I have or not. <laughs> and I really think there's like five of them. Yeah. You know? I don't think it's like he had a real prolific. I mean, I'm, uh, there's probably several of the like, French directors I've never seen anything from, but, and Italians like from the neorealist yeah. and the, uh, 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 the new wave. But I know Pasolini is one that people talk about all the time. Yeah, and I I'm like, either. nope, never seen anything. Yeah, I've got to go with Pasolini. Yeah. Uh, mainly because BBC didn't show his stuff at two in the afternoon and I didn't get out much as a child. <laughs> so I saw a lot, a lot of this nonsense when I was young. And I'm like, oh, yeah, seen him, seen him. He's dead, seen him. Uh, tr- I'll just steal Pasolini, sure. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what Digital Noise says. Fuck Pasolini. Yeah, <laughs> keep walking. Pasolini, more like past the book, am I right? Uh, Joe Magalotta says, for me, I know that when I hear a movie that has a twist ending, it ruins my viewing experience. Instead of enjoying the movie, my brain just tries to guess the twist, neither figures it out or ends up disappointed. My question is, does simply knowing that a film has a twist going into it impact your viewing experience? Thank you guys for all the hard work you put into this site. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about me, Brian. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh... Yes, I think it actually does impact my viewing experience. I don't think it's necessarily negative, but there is something to be said for having no idea there's a twist coming at I agree. all yeah. and having it undercut you. I mean, I think this is one of the biggest arguments against people who are like, oh, come on, what's the big deal about spoilers? I'm like, I'm sorry. I can tell you I will enjoy a twist a thousand times more if it gut punches me and I don't see it coming. Yeah. Well, it depends on the twist, because if it's, if it's hackneyed and, and trite, then blech. Then, then it's more of a, like, how is this executed? Because I've got a friend who just loves spoiling shit for me all the live long day. So it's either don't How talk is he to still him. your friend? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, how is he still he living? punch. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, so, uh, but a lot of these are hackneyed, so then it's, it's more of a matter of like, oh, wait, is this, gonna, is this, is, is, it, is it, no, okay. Never mind. Well, like, what are you? What? Yeah, what are you talking about exactly? What, when someone tells you, "Hey, this movie has a twist ending," and you're like, "Well, I didn't want to know that." Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, how often does that really happen? A lot. Well, because really? I, I, yeah. most of the time, I find that the twist is this movie actually sucked the whole time, <laughs> you're it, and you're waiting for it to end, and, it, and nothing big ever. And happened. twist <laughs> is, is a matter of interpretation more than anything else. I mean, yeah, people go, "Oh, M Night Shyamalan, oh, yeah, always does twist endings." There's no twist in Lady in the Water, whether you like that film or not. There isn't a twist. People went, "Oh, there's a twist at the end." Oh, that's what twist. the fuck is it? 
Tell me what the twist is. I think I think it's I, a perception thing. And again, if you stick the landing on it, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, Sixth Sense is a classic example. I think oh, Johnny it changes Neal's... at the end, but you go back and rewatch Sixth Sense, and you you watch it in a different way. I think Johnny Neal's example up. holds up for Lady in the Water, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like Fight Club. But I, I mean, always think of Fight Club had a great. Twist. I always think a twist being something where you have to where something happens in the movie where you have to redefine everything you've seen so far yeah. by the nature of that twist. Yeah, like everything you thought was happening that wasn't happening the way you thought it was happening. Everything you know is wrong, but it's got. I don't know what just happened. I, that was a twist. <laughs> that, that was, was a that twist. Coming. Wow, that was a Tourette's twist. <laughs> That's the only kind I have. <laughs> Um, I Fuck think that it's tits, or maybe vodka with a is the other type of twist that I have. It's almost like uh, if they try too hard for a twist, it it just sucks. Anyway, you know, like well, so not only do I have to refigure everything that happened, but most of the time it's I, and I can't think of any really good examples, but quite often when it's a twist for the sake of a twist to be look how smart we are. It, it, it makes you just disregard everything I mean, leading up well, to Well, the this. original twist ending is, and it was all a dream, which actually some really great books have, have gone, ah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah no, obviously this is silly. And uh, I think, but I think, it's still okay. I, I mean, yeah, the, it's lazy and trite, but it's like it doesn't wreck the The book. defining twist, though, I think that really changed film itself, where people are like, oh, we've got to start doing this more Jupiter's often, was <laughs> Psycho. You know, I mean, that was like this major thing where audiences were totally thrown by that. Had no idea what to make of that. What had just happened? Because, like, wait, you just killed the protagonist, right? (laughs) And yet, that was a movie that was made like in the early '60s, and it's still effective. Yeah, even if you know. Because you've seen the picture of Janet Lee getting killed in the shower. I mean, to some you, you know what's going <laughs> to happen. It's too soon. To some, too soon. To some you know degree. That gonna, that's going to happen at some point, and it still is like, oh, shit. I mean, that's the thing is, if a twist is uh, effective in story, it has to be where the story was good, really great anyway, and that twist helped make it even better. Right. You know, there's lots of movies where you're just, you. no one told you there was a twist, but 20 minutes in, you're like, okay. Let's just we're just watching, w- waiting for the the Jenga blocks to fall at this point. Right. And right. oddly enough, the Chubby Checker biopic did not have a twist. Oh, Very strange. I see what you did there. Very I like strange. That. I approve of that. Thank you for listening to the final episode of Digital Noise. <laughs> well, I'm fired. Good night. <laughs> I was going to say the final episode one when Brian is alive. <laughs> White Wizard says we all know Brian understandably hates it when they kill a dog in a movie. Don't My fucking do God. that. But now the question stands: What cliche or stunt do you hate to see a movie throw up on the screen? Thanks for the time. Congrats on the hundredth episode and crack up, crank up the noise. We do that. I gotta say, Wilhelm scream. It, now it actually takes me out of films. It really does. It's, it, now it's become too cutesy. It's like, look what we did there. It's like, yeah, you just said, we're a film really loudly at the audience. It's, I find it really distracting. Now. Well, is it still I, free to use? Yeah. Well, I, there you go. <laughs> yeah, in which case, ring <laughs> Is it really? No. Oh, it'd be, that's a great idea. <laughs> I might do that. Kali, <laughs> um, I don't know what... I mean, I guess... Really I think just superhero movies in general. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so do you like when people ask those questions because you like to shit on them when they ask them? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I, just, uh, I don't know. I, I or, mean, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, I, I feel like it's not even... It's not a single cliche. It's tropes in general that have just been played to death. 
uh, most of the ones annoying me the most lately happen in horror films. And I love horror, but my God, there's only so many times you can run through the exact same found footage movie. Found plot. footage is what I was about to say. I mean, you yeah. can make found a good found footage, footage iPhone movie. iPhone movies is They what still I call make good ones from here and there, but most no. of them are just the exact same fucking movie. They're you know, with the exact same shit. Something that I have picked up on, I don't play video games, but I know what they look like. And I'm really tired of every big giant monster or, you know, summer blockbuster movie. When I'm watching it, I'm going first person shooter, chase scene, <laughs> treasure hunt. You know, it's like loading you, screen. You could go, okay, they made this movie basically out of the the video game and then they acted out the I now I understand why you don't like the superhero movies because you didn't pay for the DLC content first. Yeah, see, yeah. that's yeah. what's gonna happen. <laughs> I don't know what that is either. <laughs> You're the one who's actually on Rage Select from time to time. Yeah, it doesn't mean I know games. <laughs> Uh, Dennis Nixon Jarhead. Hey, what's up, Dennis? It says, Dear group, Alfred Hitchcock is universally loved as a director. Which of these films, his films do you consider to be awful? I would consider Under Capricorn to be one of the worst films in existence. i got to be honest, I'd never even heard of that I one. Yeah, yeah so I guess we agree with him. <laughs> Under Capricorn's not good. Um, I, the thing about Hitchcock is, I think even when you're talking about Hitchcock's worst film, you're still pulling from a pretty like decent uh, yeah, pool. I've seen... All of his color films mm-hmm. and all of his like post move to America films in what general. About family plot. Anywhere. See, I like Family Plot. See, I saw it when it came out. I was like, it's you know, ten, and I snuck into the air conditioning to yeah, see right. it. And I just remember Truman Capote cracking me the hell up. It's it's silly and the it's movie funny. itself was like, what? It's it's, it's kind of a mess, but it's super fun to watch. Yeah, you know, I felt I'm, I'm gonna cause some controversy by saying uh, his version of Thirty Nine Steps. Which what? is actually utterly incoherent in tone. It does not know what the hell it is. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I mean, I love that film, but it is at the same time. It's like, are you doing a comedy? Is this a, a serious thriller? You know what? I want to go back re- to the previous really questions. I'm, the previous question. I'm really tired of British guys. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I love that film, but I love it in, in fact. In, 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 in spite of the fact that it is totally a mess. It really clearly doesn't know what it wants to be. I think his biggest act of fraud were those Jenny Craig commercials. <laughs> I was I did not buy those aftershocks. I'm going to go with Torn Curtain. I really don't like Torn Curtain. You know what? That was probably the one I enjoyed the least. Yeah, Torn he Curtain. tried to get somewhat political, tried to like dip his toe into the Cold War, but not... I don't know, tried to be Hitchcock and not really being edgy, but playing with an edgy topic, and I just didn't think it was that interesting. I like interesting. his black and white spy movies better than I like his color spy yeah. movies, oh, absolutely. generally speaking. Yeah. Racist. Gotta, gotta <laughs> give it to the guy for working hard. That's true. I mean, That's true, good yeah. lord, he put out a lot of movies. Yeah. There's so many... I mean, like, I mean, it's it's... People just don't do that anymore. I mean, the fact you have to work hard to figure out a way to shit on him speaks more yeah. about how talented and how prolific he was. I, you know? I would I would say Frenzy was the one that I'm like, this is an Alfred Hitchcock movie? Well, it, you was, know? it was one of his most violent. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of making a straight-up slasher, and yeah. I think it's actually a really good slasher movie. Right. Uh, it kind of surprised me, It stands me, though, out it was... from his other work quite a yeah. bit. As and like, it didn't have any movie stars in it. No. no. As I remember. Yeah, it's it's like been a Somebody time. was the, one of the main stars. I can't remember who was big. I can't remember who it was, though. It was just like one of those weird British slasher movies. Yeah, but they were big in England. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move over for a while, and we'll come back Bigger to that again, Jesus. and we will go into... The, the Reviews! reviews. 
And let's start off with uh, one of the ones this week that uh, uh, I think all of us but Brian had actually seen before. Hello. He's weird. I'm 12, so clearly. happy you finally got a chance to watch Terry Gilliam's The Fisher King. This was a 1991 comedy drama that he made with Robin Williams as a homeless guy who is one of those lovable, funny homeless oh, guys. Oh, oh. <laughs> who is found by obnoxious shock jock Jeff Bridges, who has been knocked off his pedestal as the, basically this movie's version of Howard Stern uh, when he encourages a caller, a regular caller, to be more misanthropic, and the guy goes out and kills a bunch of people. Uh, and now Jeff Bridges is living in like the back of a video store uh, with. Which, Mercedes by the way, Google. I'm sorry, maybe I'm a weirdo, but I was like upgrade <laughs> <laughs> from his previous life. His previous life was like yuppie, weird, like rectangular life, and then this is living in what is essentially Vulcan video here in Austin, so... Yeah, but, but, but he only had a Betamax player, so it was oh. really true. Oh, that's like gotta, that Twilight Zone episode. I, I gotta take uh, a little something here about... I wouldn't consider him a Howard Stern-type shock jock. He was more like a, a hip Rush Limbaugh <laughs> Like I mean, there was a whole... I mean, everything about it was that Eric Bogosian... No, no, you're right. Howard Stern's not really a misanthrope. The very so idea of a hip Rush Limbaugh is making my head explode. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he's turned into a... Jeff Bridges turned into a total drunk, and he meets up with Robin Williams, who saves him from getting his ass kicked by, by young hooligans who beat up homeless people. Uh, he finds out that Williams used to be a professor at a college until his wife was murdered by the guy who killed a, the guy who killed a bunch of people in the bar thanks to man has a lot of so he decides he's going to try and help this guy whose hallucination is very arthurian the idea that he needs to find the holy grail which in his mind is a generic award in this rich guy's I, I, house. I just realized this is the prequel to Goodwill Hunting, isn't it? It could be. <laughs> That's what it is, fellas. Okay, crack the case, we can go home. I, I think this is is one of Gilliam's best films. It's certainly one of his most uh, like approachable films yeah. for general mm-hmm. audiences. I mean, this was his I won't, you know, hey man, you, I, if you want to keep making Brazils and Baron Munchausen's, you're going to have to make something yeah, we can grounded. make money from. <laughs> and well, this was that film. I really like how Gilliam plays with madness throughout his entire career. There's this running theme of like, who's really crazy? Like, what does it even mean to be normal? Usually Terry. Usually, Usually it's Terry. Terry. <laughs> um, but yeah, in this, I, I really like that. I think you're right. I think it is very accessible. I think there's a lot of stuff in this that is um, like the epitome of Gilliam's style. Like some of the shots where you're kind of on the floor looking up at people and, you know, you're going through a, a sea of, of legs and then um, all the weird like urban fairy tale stuff that he throws in there and again just this idea of of madness and the quest and like all this i was like yes this this is this is what i like about gilliam very much well it's still got that magic reality thing that he does it just it's we know what it is here we know whose eyes we're seeing it through and that it's not reality and so it really it grounds the film that much more but there are moments that are just incredible. Like, there's a moment where Robin Williams, when he's seeing the, the girl he's in love with, played by Amanda Plummer, who, who is, you know, a complete mouse of a woman, walking across, uh, is it Grand Central Station? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, it's rush hour, and everyone's running to and fro, and the moment she passes him, the whole station turns into a ballroom dance. And yeah. It's this amazing sequence. That, that is, to me, the to, whole movie. Yeah, it had really to have been difficult yeah. to, to choreograph. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, this, it had to be done at four in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this film also stands, I think, as one of Gilliam's greatest works, because... He resisted the temptation to what I do, the Gil- what I call the Gilliam mix, 
Uh, I hate his sound mix generally. He puts everything at the same level, so dialogue is subsumed by background noise. He resisted the temptation of this film. You can actually hear what they're saying, which is a great a great step forward for him. That's true. You can't understand quite... a fucking word Brad Pitt says in 12 Monkeys. Unless you crank that shit. Exactly. He's yeah. just like... I, 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 yeah, but he, that, that comes from his Monty Python days. Mm-hmm. And he kept that same mix through Jabberwocky, and it, you know, when he gets to Thailand, which is basically unlistenable. And it, it really, <laughs> basically because when he moved yeah. to England, he couldn't understand what anybody he really, was saying. It's really <laughs> distracting for me, because I, I find his work very frustrating. I think that that's one big impediment that he doesn't put in the way of the audience. I think somebody somewhere was a strong enough producer, which is the one thing he's never really had, to say, no, you have to remember you're not hate-fucking the audience this time, Terry. You're actually (laughs) trying to do something. And I think this is, you know, it's arguably his masterwork. Uh, There's a really great performance by Michael Jeter here. plays this homeless uh, gay man who's like a cabaret singer who was given a lot of, like, notice when this came out for his role. Just he kind of becomes a friend of Jeff Bridges and Robin Williams and helps them out. And part of the reason he died very shortly after this film was made of HIV, it's very much a film of its time in that way, that that was sort of like, look at this incredible performance this guy just gave, and he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But there's also appearances by Harry Shearer. Uh, Tom Waits has a really cool yeah. little uh, cameo in here. John DeLancey, uh, David Hyde Pierce. I-, I love the hell out of this movie. Yeah, no, this was really good. I was really happy that I got to see this. And it's Criterion Edition, which means there's about six uh, deleted scenes. One is a... None of them are as sensual by any stretch of the imagination, except you actually get to see more of uh, in the in the early part of the film when Jack's dating this hottie and his man at New York, you know, penthouse, you get to see more of her naked. So not terrible. (laughs) Uh, There's two short documentaries about it. There's a video piece about how they developed the red Knight, which looks really cool. And if it was done now, it'd be CG. And they actually got this dude on a horseback with this giant scary looking outfit that breathes fire. And apparently like it even like, caught fire a few times and they had to rush over and go ah the guy's like if they didn't put it out in time that guy would be dead <laughs> they say that about every one of Gilliam's movies <laughs> well that's <laughs> movies were movies can I give a dissenting opinion um, no no <laughs> no it's like we're done no, we already have Richard no, I'm just kidding yeah. uh, they, they, Robin Williams in archival footage uh, talks about uh, his experience with us for about 20 minutes. Uh, Jeff Bridges, it's, it came out relatively recently how he's been taking photos with oh, his yeah. black and white camera on all his films for years, and so they have a thing where he talks about the film while showing the pictures he took. He has, is a, a, cool he has a to scan and pan, and, you know, panoramic camera. Right. And he has, um, they're, they're great. He, and, and it's not really that recently. I mean, I've been reading about that for about 15 years. Well, it, it kind of <laughs> came out as big news recently because they published a book yeah. of all his stuff. But apparently for years he's been giving as a present at the wrapping of all his movies of the book of the photos from that movie to the entire cast and crew every time. Which and is, it's how cool great. is that guy? Yeah, it's great because, you know, he's got the light. Already, I mean, yeah. everything is set up so every picture turns out well, just yeah. perfect. <laughs> exactly. You know? What was your dissenting opinion? I didn't mean to actually shut that down. I just, I, I just did not get this movie. I just, I, I don't like bums for one. <laughs> uh, I don't find them to be magical and enchanting, and uh, I don't like bums that are stalking people that have day jobs either. <laughs> you know, I mean, Amanda Plummer is kind of like. What the fuck, dude? Why are you following me around? What were you saying and, about Rush Limbaugh earlier? <laughs> why was he following her around? I could never quite make the connection in my head. 
how does he even know her? He's stalking her. He is essentially stalking her, and you do essentially. have to get past that. Essentially. Yeah. There's that moment now from today's standard where he reveals that he has been following her and knows everything about her, and she starts crying that you're not sure only by today's standards. Whether she's terrified or... Ex- yeah. I was exactly. kind of freaked out when I saw it 20 years ago. Like, really? Whether this she finds the... it sweet or she's horrified. Oh, yeah. my God. And he's a bomb, for God's sake. He's 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 gross. And so, yeah, I just kind of didn't feel the... There are, you know, there are... Every Terry Gilliam movie has about a 15-minute... J- jumble of scenes that are just phenomenal. I mean, the guy is a painter when he wants to be, but when he comes to, when it comes to telling a story, he's just kind of like, okay, you're just going to have to go with me on this. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but I I mean, I don't like Robin Williams normally, but the, him not taking a bath for a couple of months, <laughs> I would be like, get right. the fuck away from that's, that chick. That, that totally... Turkey. Wow. All right. <laughs> well, I'd like to take a minute now and give Richard a chance to talk about the latest chapter. <laughs> How happy are you, Richard? In the, in the Thorns series on Lifetime Network called If There Be Thorns. Oh, God. Uh, is this Which, about pirates? Yeah, no, is this about the pirates that crucified Jesus? If there be thorns, <laughs> here's your crown. No, this is, uh, what is this? The four, or the, oh, oh, gross. Oh. In the, the Dollenganger Dal- series. The of, Flowers of the Attic. The Flowers in the Attic series so this is a, this is all the right third so which one, family right? member is getting down with which family this, member this is a thing now is it thorny this is a thing <laughs> did it make you thorny but but <laughs> when when, when a, a a lifetime movie appears at chris's house he calls me and goes hey richard this is for you and uh-huh. just for you and this is the third of four books <laughs> by virginia andrews although virginia andrews actually died after writing the first one they are incest porn for, uh, totally. for middle American housewives. That's what they are. I have, I have <laughs> read porn that's better written than... Like, out and out, no, this is porn that's yeah. better written than these books. These, the, the, the first book, I say book... So are you saying that because you've read the books as well? No, they were, they were so... I read the first one. I, like, just, I mean, when you're in high, when I was in high school, every girl I knew was reading it. Right, it was which like, which I think says something truly terrifying yeah. <laughs> about nascent female sexuality. But houses in Virginia have attics. <laughs> That's uh, true, and basements. <laughs> but the whole the, the and incest. The, the yeah, plot of the true. first. That's West and Virginia. Sisters. The plot of the first book is that the is that the family suddenly decides they're going to lock the kids upstairs because they're the spawn of Satan because the mother slept with her uncle and therefore incest. So they lock them away up in the attic and they enter into incestuous relationships and end up getting poisoned. Uh, the next book is <laughs> oh, how they you survive the time, and, sir. and they've taken up ballet uh, because that's what you do. Yeah, that in this weird. one, now they're all they're terrible people living with their, their children for various... <laughs> Incestuous. complicated incestuous and non-incestuous uh, relationships Do they there's, all have a, their uh, there's, there's a point in these movies where it gives up even trying to say is incest bad and just says no I'm fucking anybody I'm related yeah, to yeah. just get to it <laughs> I mean like half the half, if, if, basically in this if you're not fucking a relative you will die <laughs> you're doing it wrong. that is what happens in these this uh-huh. one the the couple uh, from the from the attic have made a break for it. They're raising their kids, and then evil granny turns up, living next door, and they never go across. Still played and say, by Heather Graham. Still played by Heather Graham. 
alarmingly, who clearly cannot do anything better with her life at this point. Yeah. Uh, the, she's now... Is she wearing roller skates? No. <laughs> I would have watched I would have watched it. You've seen in the fact that she plays a truly horrible human being. And you think, oh, it's her making a commentary on like the nice characters she played in the past. No, that's all she does now. It's horrible human beings with glassy-eyed stares. She delivers these ridiculous lines of great ostentatiousness to her child about fate and inheritance and sin because she manages to waylay one of the grandchildren who's only vaguely her grandchild. Um, this is the point in the, in the franchise where they stop being just bad incest porn with no porn because it's <laughs> lifetime. Um, just? And just become, getting real. just become weird biblical revenge nonsense with small children with bow and arrows and dogs being cut in half. Finally gets good. I'm and there's actually got a bright moment in this is at one point the loyal family retainer goes, fuck it, I'm just killing you all because you're all terrible, terrible people. And you kind of go, yeah, no, yeah, really. Yeah, do that. <laughs> why, why? But that's no, good. Because you, you know that that's not going to happen because there's a fourth fucking book and a fourth film and fucking Lifetime are adapting this. this I, I is already like, asked for them to send us the fourth one. This is like a pustulant boobo that you can't help poking. Without boobs. This is... Nobody cares in the production they all hate each other it's pretty clear they all hate the material and so it's, it's kind of like the Star Wars wonderfully, prequels now it's reached a point where it's so wonderfully horrible this is Toby Wiseau's the, the room level self-hatred in cinema I was just totally watch the porn version of this though it, I know it's, it's so weird I think it might because actually be the room go, yeah. you just go oh well no they're about to have sex ad break thank god for that I'm gonna go squeegee my eyes lifetime you have no morals no principles and I weirdly love you for it uh, I can't believe that they have sunk even lower than I thought they were capable of sinking lately you know, <laughs> yeah. see like what was there oh they're doing a movie about the Manson girls mm-hmm. yep. I'm like come on guys seriously and they're all gonna fuck each other I mean I might wanna I would be interested in seeing a Manson girls movie if it was done seriously by a real Squeaky's writer and director yeah, huh? <laughs> Squeaky's game? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> but uh, That sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon I would watch. <laughs> Squeaky and Veronica. Otherwise I don't <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise I don't want to see it. Next up is Danny Collins. Oh, story of a, of a washed up rock star who everybody uh, still loves. He's I, kinda, I didn't watch this one. Oh my God. <laughs> so lucky. Uh, I'd rather watch relatives fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Al Pacino plays the titular character Danny Collins, who is uh, like we see in the beginning. Like, who is Al Pacino? Let's just say it. Don't you? Danny mean Collins it? is Al Pacino. Don't you mean? I did say it. every? No, I mean in the story, it's like everybody oh, yeah. in this movie recognizes him, and they're all like, "Oh my god!" I, gotta I remember you. when you were great. <laughs> no, I mean, Don't you mean Hua is Danny Collins? <laughs> everybody is like, "Oh, it's you! It's you!" We're so excited, uh, and I'm going. Who is this guy supposed to be in a real life? Basically, Al Pacino, if he was a singer, not an actor. Yeah, it's based off of a real person, but come is on. It? Yeah, but but it's, it's very loosely based. It's very loosely based. But, I never yeah, but like the acclaim that he got is nowhere near the way they were reacting to 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 that. Yeah, this guy's got kind of like a like a Neil Diamond. Type yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the basic plot. You got this, this, was... this musician. Who is going in his first album? He's kind of people are saying, "Oh, next Bob Dylan," and the label comes to him and goes, "No, you're too pretty." 
uh, do songs we've written for you, and he becomes Neil Diamond and ends up hating himself. And then Neil years Diamond later, cool, no, Neil Diamond yeah, should no, not awesome. hate himself. Neil Diamond, Neil I don't Diamond think was Neil... sporadically cool and has lived long enough that he is cool again. I don't Neil think Diamond he ever hated not... himself. No, no he, he wrote his own That he does hate himself because, well, Neil Diamond actually wrote his own stuff, but he's very Neil Diamond esque. Says well, the guy who literally came to America. Today, this guy is still, he's living with like a 20 something year old who's his fiance, who's clearly cheating on him, and he doesn't even care. And he says, hey. I, uh, his, you finish up uh, Do the windows His manager and best friend Played by Christopher Plummer Is like Let's grow up You fucking loser And by the way Make more money Because I make yeah. a big percentage uh, But he finds out He gets a present From Christopher Plummer Who's like Look I found out That John Lennon Wrote you a letter uh, a long time ago, and basically this radio DJ, because they didn't know how to get in touch with him. Nick Offerman this, right, Yeah, Nick Offerman, <laughs> we saw at the very beginning playing, sent it to him, and he's like, oh, this will be worth money someday. So he just held on to it instead of giving it to you. But it was this letter like saying, hey, we think you're wonderful. Be careful of stardom. It was kind of like not... Very John Lennon y. There was no like a little Jimmy Magooba Gloob. <laughs> well, apparently it was, it was a. Yoko and I like you. Apparently that was part of the real story. Was that like to that guy yeah. Steve, the what's his fuck, that they really did that? That has to be the only part happened. of this movie that is actually based right. on anything ever having happened. Well, it makes him decide he's got to reconsider his life, which means connecting with his, uh, you know, like estranged, cubed. Son, you he, know, like he reconsidered his life by going to New Jersey, right? Yeah. But that's not your well, you should go to end it. <laughs> so Bobby Cannavale plays his son uh, with uh, Jennifer Garner as his wife, and his son's like, "Fuck you! I want nothing to do with you. You've been a, you've never you haven't been there my whole life." Yeah, but he was a groupy child. I mean, he wasn't. No, it wasn't yeah, like he even had a relationship with the mother, and yeah. it doesn't sound like he like didn't support the guy. No, he yeah. tried. He and tried. She kept to. refusing yeah. it. Yeah. Each time. So my take on it was like, "Why are you being such a dick?" Your mother didn't want him there and turned down his money. And you know this. So what's the problem? Yeah. If you wanted to contact him, you could have contacted him. Everything about it was like, why am I watching this? No, no. This is why you're watching it. Because... Cocaine? Yeah. Cocaine. (laughs) No, essentially... As shitty as the movie is, Pacino, you could tell, really liked this role. He was having so much fun oh, doing this. I didn't think he even knew he was in a movie. He probably <laughs> did it. I think he was just walking around with a dog. No, he was all like, hey, who's this broad? He's like, yeah. that's Annette Benning. She's your co-star. Like, whoa, she's got some cans. You know? Like, yeah. Like, their, their interaction was, I thought it was great. And you could tell that it's he like loved it. magazine from the 1950s have you just been dragged from. <laughs> she's got some cans? That's how he talked about everything. That was chance? that was part of the confusion of the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I know because he 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 was stuck like with his like this jacket. Okay, we'll put it that way. Uh, yeah, uh, I I actually liked his relationship with Annette Benning in here though. I thought that was the one. Yeah, that was race, good. Where she's the manager at this cheap little hotel he's staying at in New Jersey, and like the moment he gets there, he's like, "Babe, you me, it's gotta be a thing." Yeah, he's throwing <laughs> dangles at her, and she's just. Opening the the garbage lid and just letting him hit into the trash can. Yeah, like, yeah I actually kind of like that. Whenever he's at the hotel, I was enjoying the film. And I got to say, when, I actually liked Bobby kind of like because he is a guy when the, he's the only moment where you go, yeah. You don't his father everything. looks like a looks like an idiot in a, an expensive suit and really doesn't understand day to day problems because he's been so isolated. He looks like a, a strip club kind of owner in New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> a kind of uh, lines to him. You, know, you really like get a feeling he's grounded. Money, money can't buy a class. 
<laughs> looked like Willy Wonka's grandfather. Well, it's, it's not a problem a problem with anybody's performance except Pacino, who is just paying no attention to any possible amount of like subtlety that might have existed in this role or nuance. He's just whoing his way through the entire. Can't thing. we use that to talk about most of his work for the past fifteen years? <laughs> can, can we use that to talk about a couple of other movies that we have on tonight's <laughs> lineup? <laughs> no, we don't have uh, another Al Pacino today, but we do have I Am Evil Knievel. Uh, which is a documentary about the legend. You know, the sad thing is, all the, a lot of people listening to us go, "I have no idea who that no is." Idea. And you know what? You need to find yeah. out. You know, Kids, in, in the late '60s, early '70s, there was a psychopath who figured out how to make money, <laughs> and then go. Well, no, we have that. They're called reality TV stars. But True. Johnny Neal and I were talking about this. Like, there is no such thing as a celebrity stuntman anymore. No. Like, literally, the closest we got was fucking Johnny Knoxville. Uh, and he wasn't really a stuntman so much as he was an idiot who made money off of being an idiot. And, I, and then I thought about, like, oh, what about the Edge of Space Red Bull jump? Yeah, everyone remembers that. Can anyone tell me the name of the guy that did it? No. Nope. No. There's a guy in this movie that looks about 18. Yeah. He says that he got the world's record jump for jumping 420 feet. 420 feet. That's a lot. And even he looks back at Evil Knievel, who is the, the legend of motorcycle jumping, and says, I would never have done the stuff he did because we have scientists who sit and figure out the math of it down to the precise decimal, how plausible We're it on is. A motorcycle. The motorcycle was designed exactly oh, to the, do this yeah. with a huge shocks. He was doing it on an old, just big hunk of steel Harley. And so <laughs> this guy but talks about the worst possible way. They actually, at one point, critique his form and go, you, no, that's how you break your arms. Even yeah. if you land right, yeah. that's how you break your arms. This man's an idiot well, well, and like, a genius at the same time. <laughs> but So this young guy is standing there talking about his world record jump. And when it's gone, it's like, I, I didn't catch that guy's name. You know, I don't. I have no idea who that <laughs> guy was. Therein lies the brilliance of Evil Knievel. Because <laughs> like, he was able to market himself like a motherfucker. He was yeah. a showman. And he and delivered. He also, like, <clears throat> the, you know... Like, what was they say about, like, there are certain personality types that are, if they're not, like, basically stuntmen or they're going to be bank robbers? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he was, was a bank robber. Yeah. He started as a bank robber. Yeah, and he was like, I love that story, too. Uh, you don't use a stethoscope and turn the dial. You just go after it with a hammer. <laughs> Which is kind of the metaphor for his life. Yeah. I mean, th- this, to just show how great uh, a self-publicist and kind of self-created myth that he was, this this doesn't open up with like he was born in Montana in nineteen sixty-two. It, it's him lying his way into jumping across the fountains at Caesar's Palace in Vegas, and he basically convinced everybody it was going to happen before it was going to happen. And Caesar's Palace goes. Are we Wait, doing what? this? Are we? <laughs> Shit, everybody thinks we're doing this. We better get this Evil Neville guy in. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and he was a brilliant liar. He was a bully. He was a thug. Uh, he was a sociopath. He was a hood. He I was wouldn't call monst- him a thug. He, he was, was a hood. monstrous to his family, but he was at the same time a legend and an inspiration. He's a very and they sure talk well about him now. Yeah, he was yeah. a very contradictory figure, but at the same time, this documentary touches on that, but it's still very much a... Oh well, he was just a roguish. Oh yeah. Character. Well, I mean, like, when you got well, Matthew McConaughey, to was, <laughs> yeah, Matthew Guy McConaughey. Fieri. Yeah, what the hell oh, is Guy Fieri? So cool. That was the one part. I was like, get 
fucking Guy Fieri out of this goddamn documentary. Right, he has he's no, no business he's being He's the last here. guy you want on. You're like, don't speak for me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you spike your frosted hair? Is that what makes you extreme? Get the fuck out of here, Apple Fries. Look, you ba- suck. Basically, he was the affliction t-shirt of the entire documentary. <laughs> but I, I love Michelle Rodriguez in it. She'd say something and go, he was so fucking gangster. Yeah. <laughs> it was like perfectly summed up for today's kid. And, and, then, and then she fell off whatever it was she was sat on because she was so drunk. <laughs> and I do think, like, uh, like with what you were saying, Richard, I do think this is largely a puff piece about him, but... Honestly, to some degree, I don't want to get down into well, the dirt I, with so much because he's really, in some ways, the last real American like legend figure. Yeah. You know, you're like, that guy when, couldn't have really existed and done yeah. all that. I think it's actually, yeah, I don't know I if agree. it's so much a puff piece so much. It feels like when you read books written by the guys in Elvis's entourage. Right. Like, they address the roguishness, but in a really charming, good old boy type of way. So it's like, they don't. They don't, like, obsess upon his darker nature or the things that made him arguably reprehensible, but they don't shy away from his faults either, so it just kind of comes across as, like, you regaling, you know, your friends with stories of an old buddy you had you don't talk to anymore, but, man, remember when you hung out that guy? That was cool. And and the fact that his wife does go, well, yeah, of course he was sleeping with everything that stayed still for more than ten seconds. I was like, do you think I didn't realize that? I love the scene when he talked to the racetrack owner, and he counted the money. The guy gave him a seven hundred dollar bonus, and he counted the money, and he was like, "You you paid me too much." Yeah, but that, that's that's calculated. That's just being manipulative. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. He wasn't being genuine. He's just like, "Well, if I appear good to him now, right. then I can cash in later." Uh, that's fine. If that's you know, true, that's yeah. still that's yeah. But don't don't pass it off as this fucking salt of the earth horse. <laughs> First of all, Evil Knievel doesn't need my help to be passed off as the salt of the earth. Let's just get that out in the open. Secondly, so what if he was just acting oh, like it I'm was not, a good I'm not deed. condemning him that for That was it. a fucking brilliant thing to do. I will use all of you given the chance. Well, I mean, that's the thing. is This guy was so bigger than life, it's hard to, like... I mean, even his wife, which he's, he's fucking around and all the time, she's like, shit, she's like, what are you going to do? What's <laughs> evil can evil? I love when he, when he <laughs> appears before the judge for breaking a guy's arms with a baseball bat. Yeah. And... <laughs> His, his uh, I guess two lawyers plead not guilty, and he fires them on the spot and looks at the judge and says, I did it. I'm a man. Shit like this happens. <laughs> thinking, Shit like this happens. Thinking, <laughs> two maniacs. <laughs> thinking, well, uh, yeah, that's going to get me off. You know, I mean, there was a, there was a certain sociopath there. I think, yeah. But I, I, I got to, my confession is, he was my lifelong hero as a child. I absolutely loved Evil Knievel. Had the, the toys, got got busted shoplifting at a Kmart, a uh, an action figure. That That's my criminal record. I, I, Johnny, I, I, you were uh, so an owner-writer back then. I know. <laughs> I had the motorcycle, <laughs> little wind-up motorcycle, and I'd always set up. Oh, man, the stop cycle. The house. Yeah. That motherfucker was bad, dude. That was the best toy I ever had. It was an awesome child. toy. No Lasted question. for years. Shot him off the roof. Yeah, it was and, like, I said, that thing should have broken like uh, years before it did, yeah. but they made it sturdy. Just and you like do it without Knievel. even having the Evil Knievel on it, because yeah. after a while, his wires were all broken. Right. I love that Just they, like in real life. True. I love that they interviewed Super Dave Osborne for this oh, documentary yeah, been, because yeah. if you ever need a crystallizing moment of how important to pop culture this guy was the parody it's the fact that Super Dave Osborne had a career 
because of Evil Knievel. Right. Like, that guy's whole career was, I'm going to make fun of Evil Knievel. Well, and I love the, as well, the Elvis phase here, where it's like, and then he got rich, and here's all the stupid shit he bought with yeah. his no, money. That's the part I like the most. <laughs> yeah. like, well, shit, I do need two jets. Like, yes, <laughs> you do! That I need two jets story. so I can see my name <laughs> on the other one while I'm in one. <laughs> that was his reasoning. Uh, <laughs> it's like, there's a fine line between arrogance and just, what, really? Do you not get how money works <laughs> no he didn't actually he really did which is not. amazing for a man who spent so much of his life trying to get some sudden that would that would have been something i would have liked them to tackle is the moment where the the switch goes and he's just like i will pee on change <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's get back to the letterbox and neil kelly asks what are some of the worst examples of a film studio or director not understanding what the fans wanted from a sequel or remake can I, start back into darkness we're done can, can, can I answer the opposite? Uh, with the best example? Yeah, of where they were like, no, this is what they want. Break into Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Maybe they, so. They were like, we need to stop bullshitting and get the Electros on the dance floor. I think Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 understood exactly what people liked about Silent Night, Deadly Night. So 90% of the movie is just clips from Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> I mean, as much as it's now viewed with a sort of camp fun sense, I think the best example I can think of this is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Oh, no, uh, that's that, that was uh, being progressive, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> See, but the director still claims up and down he had no idea that it was a gay movie, and I was like, There's no! What? I don't... I, Neil, I'm going to tell you, my, my personal, uh, Mr. Neil Kelly, my personal opinion is that I feel like ever since Reservoir Dogs... Quentin Tarantino has been in a Quentin Tarantino cover band. <laughs> that's just, just making his own spoofs of his own shit. That's so interesting. That's that's my thing. You know, but the, their first couple albums were good, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I am, I'm also actually going to say, uh, just because they, they were re-released recently, um, Sleepaway Camp 2, where they clearly go, well, the actual audience for Sleepaway Camp wasn't big enough to merit a sequel, so we're going to make a film for for somebody else instead. And they take what is a really weird, fucked up little little horror film really and is. turn it into a comedy. Uh, and so much so that the the original director writer went. Fuck you! I'm out, and to this day will not admit that Sleepaway Camp two or three basically admit. That's true. And I they, mean, his sequel, Sleepaway Camp four, is pretty dreadful. But you know, I think they re- <laughs> they didn't care what the original audience wanted because there wasn't enough of an original audience to bother. Oh, See, and yeah. on a horror note, you have to list Halloween three. I was literally just going to say that. Gonna, yeah, even though but, even though it's a good movie, but it's not it's, what audiences want. It's Tommy Lee Wallace. It's not that he doesn't care what audiences wanted. He just wanted to do something different, and for my money it fucking worked like a charm i, I loved, loved it. it yeah i love halloween 3 but when the fourth one comes about you can kind of see the studio going okay no we're gonna go back to what the audience does want yeah, audiences were very loud about their displeasure with halloween 3 when that movie came out like where's michael myers we wanted more michael Myers. okay here's your fucking michael myers yeah have fun dragging another franchise into the dirt how do you well, think they would have liked it if it would have just had a different name like Pumpkin Mask. Or Season or, yeah. of the Witch. Yeah, season of the Witch would have been like the, you know. Whoa, I, I, don't, I, I think they would have liked it, but I think, the, honestly, the, the problem was that they came in wanting to see a Michael Myers yeah. film. I mean, audiences. I don't think that's unfair. People respond to branding. They just, yes. yeah. There's no getting around it. And the thing is, I don't think they were prepared for suddenly after two movies that, that wanted to be an anthology well, series. Well, the mistake was that 
they made the second Michael Myers film, which yeah. was not the original intention. The original intention was it was going to be standalone anthology stuff. Yeah. And then they made, you know, it's just going to be every year there was going to be another Halloween movie came out of Halloween. And they went, oh, well, no, let's do a, let's just do one more. The kids love it. And they shot their own franchise, original franchise idea in the head. And then, you know, we end up with some really terrible. Too fast, too furious. (laughs) Had no idea why that first movie worked. It's like, oh, we could totally do a vehicle with just Paul Walker. No, no, Tyrese. That's why. Because Tyrese. I I would argue that had the same miscalculation as Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Well, the little gang. Yeah, no, it's true. For 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 me to to honestly answer this, I would say Ghostbusters too was just like new guys. Well, the thing is, though, I don't think audiences did react that strongly against Ghostbusters too. On the whole, really? did really well, and like I'm, I'm, I did had problems at the time because I was like, this is the same fucking movie. Oh. <laughs> it was exactly yeah. It was exactly to me. It was a spoof of of uh, sequels. Yeah, the fact that they changed the sign at the station. To have the ghost shooting a peace sign which or makes, a two yeah, which just made me say, these guys are so in on their own I stupid jokes. I sincerely <laughs> hope for all of your sakes that Prince Vigo cannot hear the bullshit <laughs> coming out of your no, mouth no, no, right no. now. This is a no Carpathian zone. Oh, is it? Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to loop back and just say Star Trek Into Darkness, which was <laughs> the worst example of a studio going, hey, let's, let's take the original film that we're not going to say that we're actually basically remaking, change everything that, that people liked... And do enough weirdness with it that they just go, well, I recognize it, but I don't know why you did that to it. And oh, why yeah, did- you're very clever. You, you reversed that scene. And I don't care. I and, think it really antagonizes and, a lot of people. You're right. And why did ben- Benedict Cumberbatch not have the like plastic uh, super chest like Ricardo Montalban had? <laughs> Corinthian no, that was actually real. What? That was real. Who did they real. peel that off yeah, of? They've, everyone always said no. That <laughs> he was a can't be real, dude, but, man. Yeah, well, I he know was that. macho. There was, that's just an urban legend that that's fake. He could, well, I know that you could feel filled with fantasies. I, I did love them the, when, when they, they cast Benedict Cumberbatch and they went, oh, well, you know, it's outrageous. Why don't, why, why, I really why, thought why that's what he said, the, too. The, did you why say Benedict cast- Cumberbatch? <laughs> Bent dick. Bent dick. Okay. Uh, Do you think Martin Freeman's going to be Q? <laughs> <laughs> but they, they they cast him, and people went, "Well, they should have they should have cast a, a, a an actor of color." And I went, "Hang on, we've gone through basically forty odd years of people thinking that a Mexican guy." <laughs> It is at any level easily confused with somebody of Indian Pakistani uh, heritage. Right. Really, really? Yeah, I, I think no, like, no. See, you misunderstood Khan from the he, subcontinent to go. No, he does well, not. Look. He's descended from Shaka really? Khan. Everybody don't, knows. Don't that. blame Richard. He's always Shaka? been. A, he's always been a contrarian. So uh, uh, moving on. on. I think that movie, that movie was trying to con its viewers in the first Next place. Next question. Yeah, it's uh, a plunderful life. Their nerdologist says, with the addition of Randy Plays Games on the site, what are your guys' favorite board games? Last Night on Earth. I haven't played that. It's a zombie game. It is so much Oh, fun. wait. Is that super elaborate? Lots of, yeah. lots of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, got, I watched other people play it. It's like, damn, that looks like a it's lot a to lot understand. It's a lot of fun, though. Uh, I, the one of the ones I just played, uh, Red Dragon Inn, was super fun. I can't wait to play it again. Where it's a drink, it's not a drinking drinking game, but in it, the idea is you're a bunch of adventurers who are done with your adventure, and now you're at the bar, <laughs> and it's last man standing. <laughs> so last the idea stand? is to make everybody else pass out from drunkenness before you do. <laughs> I, I would have to say that Sheriff Nottingham was so great because there's no better way to hate your friends it, it, since Uno. Uno is still number one, but I would say Sheriff of Nottingham is number two because basically you bullshit people. Like, like you, you, you play the sheriff who's basically customs 
And you can either be bribed to let stuff go through, or you can just go ahead and get them apples to market. But all of the just, the just vitriol that shows up because of that is fantastic. It's like... Tasting the tears of a child. It was hysterical listening to you guys play that. <laughs> I kept turning around during our game going, what the fuck? I want to play their game. <laughs> I, I don't have one. I honestly You're like Scrabble. <laughs> I am going to, for, for evil reasons, I am going to say Britannia. Uh, which oh, is, you will rue the day which, you brought up Britannia. Which is basically... Get it? Let's, Britannia. Let's, Yes. Stop. Uh, let's let's uh, reenact the entirety of uh, the, uh, a, the the 19th century Age of Empire uh, in real time. It is the longest game, and I've seen <laughs> He's people still lose the will to live midway yeah. through. They forget what daylight is like. I don't actually. I hate it. I, you know, if you want a game with a similar name, Pax Britannica, which is much better, play that. Uh, but Britannia is just it. You go. No, why don't you guys play that? And then you come back two days later, and We're you know, separate new civilizations and languages have evolved in the room because they cannot remember it life before. Y'all have terrible winters where you come from. It was great. It was, yeah. That's just to try and forget how cold it is outside. Yeah. Oh. I, I actually, I will say Scrabble, but the way we play is we don't keep score. And we can use proper nouns and acronyms and stuff. And anytime anyone uses something that's not a word, you get to punch them in the face. No. I'll yes. Yes. Fun. yes, I'm going. You don't play Punch Scrabble? <laughs> That's my rules. That's our house rules. <laughs> punch uh, it's yeah, called we, Squabble at that squabble. point. Squabble. <laughs> Yeah, that's what those kids in the those little flowery kids in the attic play. Right? <laughs> no, that's they fuck left s- us up here with a Scrabble game. That's fuck Scrabble. Yeah, just <laughs> flick the bean. Yeah. Uh, Nico says, "What has changed in the past hundred episodes, and what have you learned? Nothing. Are you more or less Nothing. mature or wise? <laughs> no. I think that's self evident. The answer is no. No, it's a it's a big fuck no. I mean, has, it, has everybody else here been here for all hundred episodes? No, no, no. no. Now, Brian, Brian, and I obviously. Have been here the longest, and then Richard was uh, was uh, somewhere in the thirties. You were the I, first extra person we brought yeah, on. I think, I think somewhere in the thirties because you were on vacation, and then yeah. he went, "Hey, you don't have much of a life." <laughs> uh, I'm like, "Yeah, I do." And, you, and he went, "Okay, we admit we're desperate. Please, <laughs> please, please." The we, so you're a diversity hire. Yeah, we, we learned that maybe watching this many movies break. with just two people every week was a fucking stupid, stupid idea. idea. Oh, yeah. And then we learned that doing it, trying to do it with three people was a terrible idea yeah. as well. So, and so uh, we expanded. Yeah. Yes. Coming up next week, the franchise continues with 17 new digital noise members, and I think it's smart because it prevents me from being on every show going, "I don't know, fuck this movie." Movie. I don't even care. I didn't watch it. God damn it all! And yet Wait. he still does that. Wait, if you could just say that again, so that we can get that for the soundboard. Like, what's Brian think? Uh, John Francois Martel says, "How's your blood alcohol level? Like after a hundred episodes, have you thought about growing your own replacement livers?" That's why they keep me here. Yeah, right. I'm yeah. expecting some kind of weird Lord of the Flies. I'm embarrassed. Joe's the only one who's drinking right now. If so. if, uh, if Hannibal Lecter ever serves a dish based on me, it's going to be pickled kidneys probably i think yeah. so mm, that'll yeah. be tasty braised yeah. in rum yes indeed uh, birdie the critic says also how about a game of movie trials everyone puts forth a movie that they like but the rest of the group hates or dislikes and you argue the points also if any of you have a top 10 must see recommendations list those would be fun to hear okay well we're not playing a game of movie trials no. at this point there's a lot of questions to answer yeah. but if anybody has anything you want to say i, I just say like like things that you are some of your favorite movies ever that people should see that most people wouldn't even think you of. You gotta of, see Rickio. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also known as the legend of Ricky. Yeah. It is. Alternately. Mm -hmm. I would say if you've not ever taken in any (coughs) Japanese cinema beyond uh, Godzilla. Pale Flower. Pale Flower. That's the one. And uh, Haosu. Those are two of the craziest fucking If we're going that route. uh, Pale Flower is not. Crazy, well, it's crazy, noir. It's, it's grounded. Hell Flowers noir. Is, is noir. It's it's loser noir. And I, mean, I don't it, know what Hausu is. Hausu is just <laughs> fucking great. It's like even Terry Gilliam yeah, sees know, that honestly, and goes, I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> if you're looking for a good family recommendation, you know, something just like on, you know, what next next time you got uh, all the relatives over. Happiness, you know, the cat of cards. Uh, I'm just going to go with a Serbian film. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we got sued. Uh, <laughs> Okay, Grandma, the guys on this website I listened to recommended this movie called a Serbian film. It must be a foreign film. <laughs> I feel like I yes, get asked this is. question a lot, and your answers are probably not going to change, but uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing, Night of the Hunter, um, fuck. Uh, Night of the let's keep it the Seven night. Faces of Dr. Lau, just because. you got to fucking not? see that thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that the, the Peter Sellers one? No, that's the one with Tony, Tony Randall, Randall. Oh, being like no. super racist. I, I, I would recommend uh, Murder by Death. Just <laughs> oh, yes. Which Murder is, by Death, if you great. Like Clue, then you should see the movie Clue is kind of ripping off. Murder and piggybacking off that title, Death Trap, if you haven't seen Death Trap with uh, Christopher Reeve or and Michael Caine. Dream. Or Death Dream, which is also good. Yeah, <laughs> or Dream Night, Warriors. Night of the Demon and Night of the Hunter. <laughs> yes, yes. For very different reasons. It's a movie word association. <laughs> yeah, we, that's we probably all night. From now on, that's probably the only way I can do this because I always get that moment where it's like, oh my god, there's so many movies I want to recommend, but I can't fire one out of my gullet Let's right now. Do that now. challenge and see if there's a way we can get to Zardoz. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's warp that question a little bit and say, what is the movie that you have had on your shelf that you've just not? Made the perfect time to watch oh, it. Are you yet. kidding me? I've got mm. like seventy of those. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I've got so many foreign language Criterion movies that I'm just not going to watch with other people around. You yeah. know, like it just is like I don't want people walking through going, "Hey, yeah. watch it." That's my right. repo, man. It's like, well, I don't get it. Well, then don't watch it. Just, just leave. Chill, yeah. fa- chill factor. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Chill exactly. factor. Chill factor with Skeet Ulrich has been sitting on my shelf. <laughs> For starring Oscar winner Cuba Gooding Jr. I do have films like that that I'm, I'm like kidding. are sort of legendarily not great, but a lot of people are like, "Oh, but you've got to see it anyway." That I've got, and I don't know why I'm still holding on to <laughs> yeah. them. Like, uh, was that Port of New Orleans? Uh, Bad Lieutenant. I have Bad Lieutenant too. Stop doing I this and watch that movie. now. <laughs> love that movie. Why are, you, why are yeah. we recording? Because some people say, "Oh, I love it," and other people go, "It's one of the worst movies." Oh I've my made. god, it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. absolutely All right, great. Fair enough. I'll I, get around to it. He, he should gotta, take his Oscar and scribble out "Leaving Las Vegas" <laughs> with one of his giant diamonds. Just yeah. scribble it out <laughs> and write P O. Technically, it's kryptonite. I've got a copy of the gray, which has been staring at me on my shelf for like two months. Like a cheese, gray. Oh, I love the gray. I know everybody I know loves the, and I, I I really want to see it. You'll be so surprised at how good that movie. I know it's got Liam Neeson and Wolves. There's nothing I'm not going to love about this film inherently. I mean, the only, but I'm just like the problem people had was going into it like expecting a straight a Liam Neeson action film when it's really more of kind of like a Jack Londony type of thing. I imagined the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking how. I was okay. thinking how great of a play it would be, because right. it just—it's so staged like a play, even though it's outdoors. Like I just kept picturing pairs of wolf eyes appearing in the darkness of the stage, and, and now I'm picturing know. a musical. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving on. Uh, uh, yeah, Birdie the Critic also says, are there any mystery or thriller films you don't think are good more than once? In my mind, good mystery or thriller films work just as well on rewatch when you know everything that's going to happen. Bad mysteries and thrillers are such that when you get to the final reveal, it doesn't fit with everything that happened before and it falls apart. But, you know, I think on this question, it really goes back to the twist thing yeah, we were talking yeah. about earlier. If it's really good enough of a movie, then... You know, you know it when you're done. You know, there are those movies like, yeah, it was all right watching it. I mean, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it to a certain level, but I'd never watch it again. Yeah, like which Memento. speaks volumes. Oh, like, it me? just annoyed me. I was like, oh, see, I, love really? I didn't like that movie either. <laughs> it was just like, okay, I get. Oh, I was just like, are you kidding me that this brain dead retard is going to get killed by Joey Pants? <laughs> Joey Pants is going to let this guy sneak up on him. No way. Internet's Johnny oh, Neal, everybody. Spoiler. <laughs> I just could not buy that at all. Uh, but in other words... <laughs> You're going to leave us for Fox News, aren't you, Johnny? I, I actually, I just feel that way about pretty much every one of that guy's movies. I'm just like, everyone... What is his name? Christopher the, Nolan? Christopher Nolan. Every one of his movies, you could cut 45 pages out of the script... And nobody would notice. It's like, wow, that was a nice brief movie. It's just the way I think. I know. And we love you for it. It's just like, dude, I get it. You're erudite. Get your hooks out because Johnny Neal is troll baiting. (laughs) Moving on. Yeah, but seriously, Inception, though. Am I right? (laughs) Fuck that movie. Uh, All right. So definitely moving on. (laughs) Z Gamer says, my question is, what uh, qualities do you think all great critics should have? Masochism. I know Chris mentioned Roger Roger Ebert is a model for his development as a critic and everyone else should too but what do you think distinguishes people like him or other great critics as someone to pay attention to rather than just a person with an opinion Uh, it really makes a difference for me to read reviews from people I trust rather than just accept an aggregated score as a sign of quality I certainly agree with you about the like aggregated score anyone who just goes entirely by what Rotten Tomatoes number is is you know that's no way to look at whether a movie is good. Well, or bad. and that's yeah. been our our conscious fuck you the whole time we've been doing reviews. Is like we never have the same system twice. No, right. like and and not just the fact that we pick arbitrary things out of ten, but every once in a while somebody will, will do it out of five. And you know what? We don't fucking care because it's like if you listen to us for thirty minutes talk about what we do and don't like, what works and what doesn't work, and you can't make an assessment until you get a quantifiable score, yeah. you are fucking brain dead. Well, and I will say, our job on this site specifically with reviews is more to entertain you yeah. than anything else. And the idea is, is hopefully... We I don't know if you guys got that, if that came across, but that's what we've been trying to do. Desperately flailing out the yeah. years. Yeah, I can do a soft shoe if you guys want. Hopefully the idea is, is that we you enjoy listening to us regardless, and over time you start to go, I find I agree with this person more than this person, and what what have you. I mean, in general, that should be your meter for what critics you like the most. It's not about how good they are necessarily as a critic as much as, oh, this person expresses themselves in a way I can understand, and I tend to agree with them. So I look at their stuff as some sort of guide of what I might or might not enjoy that's coming out. I do also have to point one thing out with uh, with Ebert. Ebert is phenomenally influential in American criticism. Yeah. Uh, it pretty much stops at the border, which is really, you know, it's like, and it's I think internationally, Pauline Kale was mm-hmm. way more influential. And I disagree with Kale an awful lot. Well, Kale is stuff. more influential on critics. Yeah, Ebert is more influential in general on. But like, again, internationally, you know, e- yeah. Ebert's influence stops at the U.S. border, right? You know, and part of that is really because not that, that the, at the movies wasn't being shown overseas. Yeah, whereas but, here but, it was yeah, gigantic. but Kale, Kale's collected works were yeah. were being. 
distributed around the world. Ebert never really had that kind of impact. So you're uh, saying she's the, she's the soccer or football of critics because here. See, you'd have to reach to get Kale, to her. Kale is maybe the most thoughtful of, of film critics ever. She's incredibly verbose and 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 like it, intelligent to the point that she's intimidating. Mm-hmm. And it works against her as a critic, in my opinion, because she would outright say genre films are garbage by definition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. By definition, they're garbage and forget about them. We shouldn't even discuss them. And I was like, okay, I can't take you seriously as a critic. And I because think that's, that's my, a ridiculous opinion. And well, that's my big thing is like, the thing I look for is a complete and total lack of pretension. Like somebody who can sit down and review, um, you know, a Fast and the Furious movie the same way they review, um, you know, a Von Trier film. Like, yeah, who's not going to go into it going, "Come on, guys, what the fuck difference does it make? It's a blah 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 movie." You're yeah. like, no. You're, the point is to review it and go like, "How is it as a movie?" And that, yeah, you're not going to look at at a Von Trier movie the same way you do a Fast and the Furious film and look and review it on the same scale. But you're, well, no, right, you're Marcus, not going to close yourself Marcus off Aurelius, either. Ask him anything. What is this thing? What is its nature? And I think that's the approach you've got to come in. Well, that's wow, a, we got highbrow move. My personal things of what I think makes a good critic is you have to love movies. Mm. Yes. I mean, yeah. even bad movies, you have to go, wow. Uh, this is they did this. They I pulled can this get off. Something out of it. they completed. Well, and you also genre. have to be respectful of filmmakers because even a bad film, like the effort that is put in, that's you know, the other you, thing. Yeah, you have to you, know how the sausage is made. Somehow, well, people I, I, aren't always going to make great films. I gotta yeah. say, as as the newest uh, edition, uh, Bobby what, Brown. What, what I re- yeah. <laughs> Look, it's my prerogative. Um, but the, the the biggest turnaround that I've had is is uh, you know before I'd, I'd watch stuff I like and I'd avoid stuff that I didn't like. But now I take such joy in watching stuff that I don't necessarily like, just because I'm I'm uh, breaking it down and trying to figure out what it is that I don't like, what it is that doesn't work, what does work, like what are the good things about this, and so. It's it's made me enjoy movies in a much different way that I had not really expected. I, I have a hard time sometimes when I hear from people like, oh, and it happens all the time. Comments like, oh, I watched the first ten minutes of that, and I just said, forget it. And I was like, how do you know that the whole movie? I mean, I've watched movies that in the first ten twenty minutes. I was like, I really don't think I'm going to like this. And then it turned around and totally sold me mm-hmm. on it. I've watched like, a lot of movies on fair. fast forward since meeting you. <laughs> well, that's because we <laughs> hand you a giant stack every week. <laughs> All right, Charles Armstrong says, I've heard you guys mention before that if people are going to remake movies, they should avoid the classics. But can you name a classic you feel could be remade in a way that could outdo the original? I feel like I've been horribly misquoted. I don't think I ever fucking said that. Because, and I I say that because I have routinely said that I am one of the few defenders of horror remakes. Like, I don't hate horror remakes. In fact, I like a lot of the horror remakes of my favorite horror movies. Some of them are garbage, but it's because those particular remakes are garbage, not because all remakes are garbage. Right. I mean, if it weren't for remakes, we wouldn't have The Thing, which is one of the greatest horror films ever made. Very true. So I will, yeah. Or The Fly. And I will, so I will not write off remakes, and I do not think they should stay away from the classics. I think there are certain films that are so much a part of the zeitgeist of when they were made that they will just, frankly, not translate. For example, it was completely fucking stupid to make a remake of When a Stranger Calls in a post- caller ID society (laughs) that doesn't make any goddamn sense and sure enough that one was terrible that's what I think it is like you have to look at the things that are in the DNA of the movie that make the original work and if those things are not timeless if those things are very much a a reflection of the era in which the film was made then it's just 
a fool's errand, I think, to go, oh, we can totally repackage this for a modern audience, and they won't bat an eye at it. No, that's very true. I agree with everything you're saying, although I am the guy who said, I feel like if you're going to focus on remakes, try and focus on these almost-ran films. Yeah, no, and I think there's the films that, that are considered yeah. legends, you know? Well, I think, uh, like, Soderbergh doing Ocean's Eleven was a great example of, like, take this film that could have been fun and really wasn't, no. unless you're a big Rat Pack fan, and go, let's do this and try and figure out how to make it work. And boy, did they. The first yeah. Ocean's Eleven is amazing. Well, and then, and then sometimes you completely cock up the works, like uh, Old Boy. Like, yeah. That was just, this didn't need to happen, that, guys. That was like, hubris. <laughs> to yeah, Nemesis that, meeting hubris at that point. Uh, Benedictus Vowles says, what would you have done at the end of Gone Baby Gone? Well, waiting for the credits to finish and gone home. Yeah. Wait, does he mean Gone Girl? Because I would have just killed myself. No, Gone Baby Gone. You saw that movie. No, I did. I know, it's but a long I, time ago. I get those yeah, two movies confused. I, I need to watch it again. Yeah, I don't remember the ending. Yeah. I mean, I remember that I loved that movie, but I don't really remember the uh, uh, One Fun Run says, what has been a movie you guys found you loved by doing the show you might have overlooked in a store on Netflix? Well, shit, there's one like every God. week. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, I don't really think there's a way to answer that. <laughs> shit, yeah. I can't even... Oh my god! Uh, so many. Yeah, they, like pretty much. Go back and listen to every episode because there's usually one moment on every show. I'm like, wow, I never would have seen this if we weren't doing this. Well, let's go back to the reviews and talk about Kumiko, the treasure hunter. Kumika. This Kumika. is a sequel to the movie Fargo. Okay, <laughs> funny story. I had heard Elliot talk about this movie a lot, and based on the fact that, that it's a Japanese title and he's Elliot, I assumed that it was this an anime. No, I assumed this was a, a, a fucking what's his name movie. Nikkei. Uh, yeah, no, the the animation dude. The, his uh, name. Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Yeah. I assumed this was a Miyazaki movie. <laughs> sounds like a Miyazaki. It movie. sounds like it, and because Elliot was talking about it so much, like, oh, it's definitely a Miyazaki movie. I put it in, I'm like, this is not Miyazaki. This is like Japanese Videodrome. Like yeah, some weirds going on this is, here. Uh, by directed, co-written and directed by David Zellner, who made. Uh, he probably didn't see it. It was a Kid A. I kid believe, thing or Kid thing. That's yeah, I did not like Kid. Thing. I didn't like it either. And At everyone all. in all, the Austin Film Critics Association was coming all over. It, I, and I was fucking like, hated that. Uh, movie. So I was a little like. Despite hearing so much good stuff about this, I was like, okay, we'll so, see. Yeah, this is basically about uh, the weird chick from Pacific Rim being, <laughs> being a weird chick traveling to America. Well, it's based on a urban legend that up, up until really the release of this film, I thought was a true story. It wasn't until I looked it up and went, oh, that didn't actually happen. I was like, oh, okay, I thought this was real, which is this woman, Kamiko, here, who is a very socially maladjusted office worker who watches the movie Fargo on her old VCR over and over and over again, taking notes and diagrams, determined that the scene where Steve Buscemi buries money in the snow and places a marker, that that really happened. And that somewhere there's, in America, there's in Fargo, there's this bag of money just waiting and no one has gotten it yet. The biggest trip of this movie for me is seeing her... Seeing uh, there's like scenes shot in the Minneapolis, Minneapolis airport, and I was like, I was literally just fucking there like two days ago. <laughs> one, one of the things that I, I found rather uh, enchanting about the movie is that uh, aside from having lived here uh, and, and just watching a shitload of Japanese cinema, is that for written by uh, shall we say Round Eye, it really <laughs> captures the the neurotic uh, flair that that a lot of Japanese film has, like. The people that you meet there aren't, n they're nowhere close to as as uh, sociopathic as what's usually depicted in, in, in Japanese cinema. 
But man, these guys got it down. Like, they got that voice and they got that tone of her just completely dead on to where she's so idiosyncratic, you think this can't be a person. But. Well, she's certainly, like, like, trapped in a world she doesn't want to be in of people. Like, she can't Mm -hmm. relate to anyone. And in fact, she manages to get herself to Minnesota with really a, with a stolen credit card from work determined well it won't matter because I'm going to find this money and yeah. I'll be able to pay everybody back and I'll be rich she's crazy like yeah. that's I mean we know you like you see far you like you don't look go on a treasure hunt taking notes from a movie right. and but I think you're going to find treasure I think the real achievement of the movie though is that it it's very tragic like she is crazy yeah. and she does a lot of things you're just like what the fuck are you thinking but they they put such a empathetic lens on it that you can't help but feel for her and it really is like if the ending is saying what I'm pretty sure the ending is saying like this is a fucking heartbreaking tragedy you know I, I'm i gonna sound like Johnny Neal on this one and go yeah she was a crazy girl and she was really kind of shitty person on the whole to everyone there's no one in this whole movie she treats decently at all because she's so obsessed in her own thing at the end I was kind of like well fuck her I don't know. I sound like that? <laughs> yeah. With the, I'm a bad with person. With the Fisher King review. <laughs> oh, like, Fisher King. That, that, they were bummed. Yeah, but yeah, she wasn't a dirty hobo. I don't know how you can't get behind, especially what we're sitting here doing right now. Oh, I totally would have gotten behind her, but that's oh, a whole other story. Oh, creepy. So. No, but like the idea that somebody is so obsessed with, uh, with make-believe, essentially, that they can't tell it from reality anymore... Like, that's why our site exists. Like, that's exactly why we're sitting here right now. Because at a certain point, we all became broken by the fact that we can't tell reality from fiction anymore. I I have an alternative theory about this, which is that she never actually gets there. She never actually takes... Makes it to America at all? She never... Is it Georgia on her mind? Because all the way through everything she's... All the experiences in America, uh, everybody is like a Fargo character. Well, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. Have you ever real. been to Minnesota? I know, but they're, they're <laughs> so, Everybody is a Fargo character. Yeah, you know, and it's such a change from the first half, which I think is wonderfully observed. And I, I, if I ever run into David Zellner, I will have to go, is, is the second half a fancy sequence? Is the second half just her delusion as she locks herself away in her apartment and it never really, any, none of this really transpires? Because I think it's a legitimate reading <laughs> of the film. I think this is, you know... You know, the, the Zellners, uh, David and Nathan, their, their earlier stuff, it's very divisive. You know, you either get their kind of weird, quirky vibe or you don't. I think this is the point where they've really arrived as filmmakers. What else I have think they this, done? Uh, Just Kid A. Or Kid, Kid A, Kid Goliath, Goliath. Oh, Goliath. A lot of shorts. I saw that. I thought Goliath was all right. I think yeah, I liked it best because it was a cat. You either but. like you kind of, you, but they've very been very hit or miss. You know, the very confrontational style always yeah. that says either you like us before you don't. I think this is the point where you go. These these are legitimately people to to watch. They're I, you're fascinated to know what they're going to do next. I don't know that, whether this is going to be you know for everybody's tastes, but yeah. I really think that this is a film that if you want to know where two filmmakers who are going to do something really fascinating in the next 10 years I think this this is the one where you really want to start following the Zellner's career alright fair enough I don't think any of us are going to say the same thing about last night who the fuck what the okay it's Game look, of Thrones I would, okay. movie, but look, bad look, <laughs> look 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 I get it I get that you notice that people like Game of Thrones try harder try harder than 
doesn't this look like Game of Thrones? Because frankly, there are points when the CG in Game of Thrones is a hundred times better than this movie that probably had at least the budget of Game of Thrones, a single wow. episode at the well, very now, least. Now, see, you're, you're, you're being really insulting because Morgan you? Freeman, he needed to make a mortgage payment. <laughs> a, mor- a Morgan payment. I wasn't sure if you're Morgan Freeman or like the <laughs> Southern you were Kevin Spacey <laughs> in uh, House of Cards. House of Cards, right? So is this Either like works. the Morgan Freeman sequel to that Robin Hood movie? Yeah, yeah that's what I movie. thought the first that's, moment. I was yeah, like, so you know it continues. If, spoiler, you guys, if you haven't watched the first season of Game of Thrones, but you know how like Ned Stark is like this kind and wise leader of this kingdom and everybody loves him in his kingdom, and then the surprise is they cut his head off and then and the rest of everybody wants revenge. Well, that's like the first 15 minutes of this movie with Morgan Freeman. Also, and, also, and hey, then and then with well, uh, with uh, is, Clive Owen as his, his, you know, the leader of the last of the knights who is going to take revenge, only they spend most of the rest of the movie playing a con on the audience that he's turned into a worthless drunk. See, right. and which is which is called the Forty Seven Ronin. This is the Forty Seven Ronin. It's an it's a an, a version of that with an internationalized cast. This is a, a yeah, it was, it was the United classic. But yeah. this is such a boring version of well, it. And it's but because that somebody fucking watched Game of Thrones and went. You know, I don't think people are watching this for the action. I think they're watching this for all of the quiet, whispery dialogue scenes <laughs> where, you know, this very intricate plot is being unveiled. I'm like, yeah, that may be part of it, but two things. One, the actors are great on Game of Thrones, and the plots are actually intricate. This is the simplest plot ever, and they are treating it like it needs Mamey-level dialogue scenes that they can't write, and everybody's still whispering. So this movie is literally a build-up to a battle scene that lasts just the last half hour of a two-hour-and-plus movie. So are you making up for the the audio levels by yelling? (laughs) I'm just saying... The very beginning of this movie has that $100 80s fantasy thing where they just tell you about the Great War that you don't see because they can't afford to show it to you. Well, regionally, I didn't understand because it was very much the United Colors of Benetton, like the Night Squad. Like, yeah. I just I just didn't get like... <laughs> Look up that reference to anybody under the age yeah. of 30, please. Also, this should have been called Last Night's Watch because their costumes at the beginning of this movie, I was like, yeah, that's the Night's Watch. You're dressed like the fucking knights. Like, you can't even yeah. rip it off a little bit better that we can't tell what you're no, doing. No, you're absolutely right. Is... And Cliff Curtis going just killing time till he starts his new Walking Dead series. Exactly. This is the main actor. Uh, I, you know, and I, I really, I like Clive Owen. I think he's one of those guys, he missed his shot. Oh, it's like in Shoot'em Up. That was moment I love when Shoot'em. it looked like he was about to go A-list. And you were like, oh, this guy, he's going to be the next Bond. And something happened. I don't know what it was. He went, whoops, slipped he on something. He fucked somebody's niece. He had to have fucked somebody's niece. He slipped on something for a second, and Daniel Craig was like, excuse me. And he's like, wait, what? What just happened? <laughs> yeah, I, I love the guy. I mean, children are men. <laughs> can, yeah, you, you know. can you imagine yeah, Clive yeah. Owen when they cast Daniel Craig as James Bond going, the motherfucker from Kid and King Arthur's Court is James Bond? <laughs> Are you shitting me right now? Hey, man, can, welcome can we, to the layer cake. Can we all agree on one thing, and that is that uh, the the time where adding Morgan Freeman to your cast in the desperate hope that he adds some kind of, like, gravitas and credibility has long gone. Yeah. yeah. Really, it's really like, oh, God, you're going to turn up and you're going to try you, and be sage and old, and I really hope you die. I, yes, you die! I, you you die 15 minutes in! He and then it's like, like, oh, yeah, well, now we've got Clive Owen grumbling and being drunk. <laughs> I, it, it was totally like, there's cue cards. He's reading off cue cards. He like, does not give a shit anymore. <laughs> no, I, I felt like it's been a while, though, ever since he said, kill those motherfuckers. It was like, well, I went, well, 
your time is done. <laughs> it's like the fact that you saw this script and went, yeah, this looks great. You've made a deep impact on cinema. Uh, no, I like deep impact. I, well, I'm glad you did. The oh, movie or the just... movie? Uh, yeah, I hated Armageddon. Yeah, the pulled spoof. <laughs> I hated, I hated Armageddon and was like a supporter of Deep Impact. Team Damn Deep Impact. Okay, now <laughs> you just love being on losing teams. Uh, I do. I love it. I, I, I rooted the for the Redskins for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny about about the the director of this is he directed Cashern. Uh, which was, while not a great movie, it was a really visually exciting movie. Yes, this is not. This is not. No. This has really terrible... My favorite is the flash animation of the the metal gate going down. It's like... (laughs) And it's not even necessary, because it's during a scene where they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then they go into this Ocean's Eleven Soderberg thing where it's like, first we're going to cut the gate. Then you see the gate falling. I'm like, you could have just said that and not shown us the flash animation (laughs) that takes place at the wrong time of day, by the way. But what what it was missing was that... You know, yes. they were doing the heist. I was a little confused. The main character's name was Raiden, and there was no Mortal Kombat references. But anyway, it's because yeah, he was right. eating it all those have a character called Fat Jim, which may be the only entertaining thing about this entire. <laughs> no, but he's friends with Slim Tully, so uh, it's okay. it bounces it's, out. I think it's James Babson's finest work. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, may very well be. Next up is the Gunman. <laughs> this is okay. Sean. Uh, Too many uh, superhero uh, movies. Before, before you get started with your champagne hatred let oh me talk about the movie no I think he hated it because he thought it was a superhero movie called The Gunman this, no, is, uh, Sean Penn, this is Sean Penn's attempt to join the Liam Neeson world of over 50 actors trying to pass as action stars this is his Liam Danny Neeson, Collins Liam no, this, Neeson this is, is his cake and eat it too uh, Liam Neeson has successfully done this whether you like because it because he's been doing it forever sorry he, he, he's, he's good at it and I don't think that The Gunman is a bad film oh okay really oh, don't. I'm, don't. I'm sorry well, you might want to stop talking yeah. I didn't think it was a bad film at all you're <laughs> saying I, I, I think that it was actually it, it's at its worst. It's paced too long. Oh no, no, it's no. pacing is slow. See, my thing about it is this is this is completely like okay. We talked about Baby's Day Out earlier. This is Baby's Day Out because it's like <laughs> it's like. Hey man, I really care about what's going on in the Congo, and I'm really socially conscious. But I really hate guns. But you know what? I'm gonna take up guns, and I'm gonna protect the people that can't protect themselves. Like, but that's it, not what happened in this movie. No, I couldn't tell what happened. I think it's time for Africans to make their own movies. <laughs> well, they did. because our version of Africa is yeah. like. Brady Bunch vacation version of Africa with True. guns. Well, they have this so little like, the, the, the little totem. There's yeah. the zombie. There's, yes, there's exactly. the zombie series. And, and in dead. this case, it gives Sean Penn brain damage, which I've always suspected. Right. And then that just became like a weird MacGuffin in the movie. Like, yeah, like well, what was the point it. of all that? Uh, the idea is is that he was an ex soldier who had carried out a, a major and very sketchy assassination in the Congo. Uh, and then eight years later, we see he's working like you know building wells and stuff for poor people. When suddenly people come out and try and kill him, and he's like, "Well, why? I haven't done anything since then. What the fuck would anybody be?" So, oh, I'm sorry that murdering human beings for money was yeah. bad. Now, usually, there's not that. usually there's not an eight year yeah. break between doing an assassination. That and you know of? You know how long it took for Russia to kill that one dude? Yeah, in, but in he Britain? knew they were looking for him. <laughs> uh, so he goes trying to find out like. Connecting with all his old people like Ray Winstone and Idris Elba. What happened? Why am I being looked for here? And all fingers point to a, an old partner played by Javier Bardem who has since hooked up with his old flame, which makes you wonder, did you seriously throw this guy under the bus just because you wanted to fuck his no, girlfriend? Bardem was great because he was so awful in this. It, this I mean, was a sequel was to The Counselor. 
It was just as bad, only <laughs> le- less. I, I mean, I expected pretty good something in the counselor, and it was like, oh, I expected it to be good, and it was awful. Oh my god! Yeah. The, the, I don't want to go off on a tangent about the counselor, but the fact that the movie had a truck full of shit driving around through most of it was pretty metaphorical for the people that were walking around in <laughs> the theater. Part of the problem is that I thought the counselor was a prequel to Cape Fear, so I was confused. <laughs> no, I would like the- to say something. Liam Neeson has been a badass his whole career, and I resent the idea that he's just now become a badass in his older age. Uh, because fucking Krull, because fucking Rob Roy, because Next of Kin, I can go on and on and on. <laughs> just saying. But Rob Roy's terrible. Fuck you. <laughs> I always thought he was kind of a boring. I thought it was pretty boring. I, boring my take on this film was like, there's, there's nothing horribly wrong with this, but there's absolutely nothing right with it. It really movie, is flat. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, well, okay, well, we're going to have a uh, boring sequence, and then we're going to have a, oh, here comes a twist. It felt... There's no peaks and troughs in it narratively. It just keeps going for two hours. And I'm like, why are we still here? Yeah. Couldn't we have done this in an hour and a half and at least had it jaunty? Well, what I would say is, Sean, you're trying to dig wells in Africa. Drink some water, buddy. Like, I know you want to look super ripped and shredded, <laughs> but come on, well, guy. My one is pretty ripped and shredded. Because he's dehydrated. <laughs> my, my one thing that I, I will say, oh, finally, my, my, my guy that I want to be when I'm his age Ray Winstone was not a bad guy wasn't a betrayer he was a super loyal guy really nice cause he's and it was always, finally he's always turning into be the dickhead uh, except and for like, what was the one where uh, the, the Gandhi was the bad guy uh, Ben Kingsley yeah uh, oh, I thought you meant Andy wait I was like wait is there a cut of Gandhi where he's the bad guy <laughs> well he was a racist well, well have you, if you played Civ yeah. 5 Gandhi is the bad guy yeah. um, well, if you, if but you know, Pakistan, Pakistan, you know what I'm talking Gandhi about the bad guy. where he's like the Ben Kingsley's the crazy gangster and Ray Winstone is no 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 yeah Iron Man well, 3? No, no, what the hell's the name of that movie? No. <laughs> it's a really great movie. And it was Sexy whole, Beast? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. was kind of my introduction that to was my, Yeah, me too. And I, I like, just was like, oh, if, who is my, this guy? Uh, this is, this Your is spirit me. animal? Oh, no, but it, then, it, you know what he's actually in is... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous stains, which I've still not seen. It's really good, and he's like nineteen in it. Ray, yeah. Ray like, Winston is also in uh, like the original, young... the original version of Scum, which right. if you've never seen, right. it's it really good. Is the best kids in prison film you will ever fucking oh. see by far. Uh, he Stop also making everything sexy. He oh. also, <laughs> there's nothing sexy about a nineteen no. year old Ray Winston. Um, <laughs> I and, beg to differ. <laughs> Uh, he also did the best Once Alan again, Dale. There we go. Boom! Yeah, go Wait, back and boom. watch uh, the uh, the British television version of uh, the Robin Hood myth, uh, Robin Sherwood from the uh, the mid eighties. Yeah, and he plays Alan Dale as just this total burnout. This guy who just goes, "I hate you all. I just want to. I just want to kill Normans. You know, I'm with you because uh, you know you you want to do the same thing. That's it. And then when there's a major major plot development in season two he's like I'm the only person who still wants to do what we originally wanted to do I, I'm still loyal to the mission and it's like he is so fucking good in that and he's still one of the best things he ever did I still want that's that. like the, the English Lone Ranger or something the thing is I could see Winston I could see Winston more than John Gavinil. Penn playing this type of role of the guy who's like I used to be a badass now I just kind of let myself go I'm relaxed and suddenly shit comes back fuck I'm too old for this 
I would believe and like him more in that role than <laughs> a lot of people looks like he's got though. profound Alzheimer's anyway. So. <laughs> <It does. laughs> well, I actually didn't. I like this movie a little better than the rest of you guys. I actually kind of enjoyed it. It is too long. Chris its approved. pacing is a little uh, is a little off, but overall, I actually had kind it's, of fun with it. I it's actually less anything... than two hours, but feels way more. Than oh that. yes, it did. Oh yes. <laughs> it did. Oh man. And what Neil's like, I fast forwarded through all the. I didn't. I kept scenes. waiting for something to happen. And <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. And then it was over, and I was like, God damn. <laughs> I walked out of watching it, and I was two hours younger than everybody else. Uh, well, let's talk about... Should we talk about something that really is every moment of its length? I could not get all the way through Hard to Be a God. I almost never stopped watching a movie before it's over. Uh, I got an hour and some change into Hard to Be a God, which is the second Russian adaptation of a popular Russian science fiction novel uh, by the same name. And holy shit, this is like, this is going to be hard to be a god is like, you know in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, how the peasants are all just constantly covered in shit, and at one point King Arthur comes around and is like, oh, he's a king, how do you know? He's not covered in shit. This is like the story of everybody who was not a king, and what they do with their day-to-day lives, which is to say nothing interesting except be covered in shit. They blow snot on each other's faces. They they poop on each other and smear it. Smear it, yeah. It's like... So you tried to enjoy it, but it was a futile effort. So the basic plot of this is, um, imagine, you know those episodes... I think you think if you ignore me, I'm going to go away, but I I won't. Those episodes of Star Trek Next Generation where they go, oh, there's a science away team and it's on this primitive planet and something goes wrong and uh, we have to save them before they, they break the Prime Directive. Well, basically, Starfleet never turns up. They violate the Prime Directive and just go, oh, well, you know, I'm basically going to declare myself a baron. And then 20 years later, they're still there in this shit-covered hellhole where the locals have deliberately stuck themselves in the Middle Ages, avoided the Renaissance, and that's it. And one of them is basically going, well, at some point, I'm just going to have to go and kill that other baron. And three hours later... (laughs) Oh, my God. It is... is, I, what was the? Is there a plot to this film? Yeah, that's the plot. I couldn't tell. It really is him spending three hours of going. Well, I'm going to vaguely torture people and be quite, you know, kind of unpleasant mm-hmm. and miserable to people, and that's it. It is beautiful. Is this it? Is one of the most hypnotically gorgeous films you've ever seen from the cinematography because it makes the filth just fascinating, beautiful. Uh, is this like decidedly did not it feel that way. Is a sl- <laughs> well, no, this is the thing because you crapped out after that. Crapped out literally after the fir- after the first hour. You kind of you keep going and it develops this weird hypnotic uh, spell of you. It's at the same time unendurable. Yes, uh, it is. It's, it's a combination <laughs> of genius and disaster. Um, you know, and they stripped a lot of the actual science fiction elements out of the original. This really is, unless you miss, a, unless you catch one little bit of dialogue, where, which basically goes, "Yeah, I'm a scientist from Earth who was sent to this planet, and now I'm just hanging around, waiting for all these scumbags to die." Um, you miss that one bit. You miss what this film is really about. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to like this so much more than it is physically possible to like it. I it, don't, it is actually repulsive I am in a actually, boring way. I actually do not understand how you got all the way through it. I don't I don't understand how Oi, you got all the way through it. Peanut gallery. <laughs> Seriously. Save the comments for later, folks. We were just <laughs> talking about how good you looked in shorts, but that's fine. Oh, well that is true. I did yeah. look pretty yeah, good but in it, shorts. Yeah, I <laughs> hard to be a god, hard to watch. 
Yeah, almost impossible. I, I don't know. Deliberately so. I just kept wondering, is he still talking about that Terry Gilliam? Movie? <laughs> <laughs> almost everything you said sounded like a Terry Gilliam movie. But yeah, imagine that in black and white and much slower. But I mean, what's fascinating is it almost feels like one... 177 minute yes 177 minutes of black and white Russian subtitled gloom and and shite I've just decided I don't really like Russian science fiction films in general well I what think, about like, Ken Jaja I think because like, that was good I didn't see that oh, but do you like generals in your Russian science fiction I, I films because there's a lot of them you've been to a lot of fantastic fests and occasionally there'll be Russian sci-fi or horror and Duh. it's almost always impossible to slog through Duh. Solaris so is one of those slow. movies I've got that I'm like I'm going to watch this one. Someday I'll watch Hang that. On, uh, the, ta- the Tarkovsky version? Yeah. yeah. Really worth watching. Yeah, that, I'm that, sure. Yeah, Tarkovsky, that, is, the, that, Tarkovsky is the aberration. I think he's the one that... I, I, I think this is one of those instances where there is culturally enough in common, but yet enough separate between Russian and Western European and American culture that you just see the bits that are annoying. Uh, you know, but I mean, Russian cinema is, you know, people will go and quite happily sit through a four hour film. Uh, that because is, that it keeps you out of the way. Keeps you out of, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just more, it's much more part of their tradition. I mean, uh, an American cinema, you know, really stopped doing anything over two hours My theory a long is, time ago. Is, but Russia, you know, it, I mean, it, you know, they look at Abel Gantz and go, yeah, a 14 hour film is fine. It's a, it, my theory was it's a whole theater full of um, spies hiding from the Nazis. Yeah. Is what that is. It's just like we've, we saw that used to happen, right? That's this what you do I, 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 I think to if they when, leave the theater, they'll get slaughtered by a Cossack. This You're is right. why I always have to, <laughs> I always laughed at uh, Jodorowsky's Dune where everybody goes, oh, this would have been the greatest science fiction movie ever. And I went, hang on. If in 1976, Jodorowsky had turned around and said, here's a 14-hour version of Dune, you would have gone, fuck off. And no, the no. same people who are going, oh, it would have been the greatest film ever, now would have ripped it apart and never would have sat through the, the final It's like you guys couldn't even get through read. David Lynch's three-hour version. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, yeah, I, it, it's this myth. But I think, it, I, think th- I think part of it is a cultural difference, and I think this is one of these films that just does not, you know, its inherent nature does not translate. Well, back to the question. Shady Baby says, wow, hard to believe it's been this long since remote viewing. What is remote viewing? (laughs) I don't know. I never heard of it. And digital noise error began. Congrats, guys. Now for my question. What do you guys think is a good example of a celebrity cameo in a movie and a bad celebrity cameo in a movie? For example, I think the numerous celebrity appearances in Judd Apatow movies take away from the story and just come off as Judd Apatow saying, hey, look at all my famous friends. And when those celebrities stop being relevant anymore, it dates the movie. Funny enough, not the worst thing about a Judd Apatow movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, well, I, would... I think that's kind of a, a bad analogy, anyway. I mean, like the funny people, it was about comedians. Yeah, you know, I mean, they hang out together in Los Angeles because that's what they do. I, I have, I have a great example of a wonderful celebrity cameo. Um, the entire movie, The World's End. Or this is the end. The entire movie, this is the end. Oh yeah, is like one phenomenally well used cameo. Yeah, well, I mean, because that is, you know, one of the few movies where it really is like celebrities playing, you know, versions of the themselves that are the public perception of themselves, exaggerated yeah. to tell, oh. and having fun doing it. No, this is what this guy's really like. Uh, or on the other side, the opposite of what you view them as, and it's funny, like Michael Sarah, no, no, like crazy, obnoxious party guy. You know? As far like going back to a previous question of, of like tropes that I really hate being used, and Michael Sarah being a piece of shit is one of those tropes I really hate. It's like, no, I got it. It's funny. <laughs> it's I, I don't care. I'm gonna say, if you want to talk about films where, where you have that kind of subversion uh, with lots of cameos that works well, I'm going to say Chris Rock's top five. 
yeah. uh, not least because the moment where Jerry Seinfeld is making it rain in the strip club is yeah. kind of because you know you know, this guy's been a touring comedian for years. Of course he's thrown dollar bills at strippers. Like, sure. inevitably. What's the deal with strip clubs? It's a gentleman's club. No one's being a gentleman. Because he was once asked, you know, uh, you know why, do you never, why do you never swear on your routine? It's because nobody, nobody really wants to hear me say fuck on stage. It's not and really it's like, he still guy. says it, but he's just like, that's not his shtick. But he, so, I'd still, I think the definitive, great, twisted cameo that works so well, Hulk Hogan, Gremlins 2. Yes. Mm. Yes. Which isn't even in every version that you watch. No, because the, it, the, it, the, is Hulk Hogan in the, because they got somebody, they got one person to do the cameo for the, there's the, 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 the cinematic, the cinematic version, and then Hogan is, was the home video version? Wasn't it the, the sketch that, like, they replaced the Hulk Hogan one was with Leonard Malton reviewing the movie? Yeah. Was reviewing Gremlins, and the, and he's doing his show, and then the Gremlins attack him for panning Gremlins. Yeah. But that was what they. I, I believe if I'm correct. I believe no, that's what they put in. Somebody, Were you even somebody born? Film ver- I, I, in, I, in the version <laughs> in the theater, and the film breaks, and then there's somebody else in the, like the home video version. Like there's two different. There's two different visual gags. Yeah, First of all, Gremlins came out Christmas of 1984. So technically, I was on this motherfucking planet when Gremlins came out. So yeah, and I was on the planet for Empire, but I, I'm not going to brag about seeing it. I was in the fucking army, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting for my right to watch Gremlins as an infant. Uh, I'd say best cameo is still Bill Murray in Zombieland. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Best cameo my, my favorite cameos of all time are in the old Batman when Batman and Robin are climbing the wall and oh, like, yeah. Lurch sticks his head out. Or, or, or any G. Robinson. Yeah. I mean, those to me are like the perfect cameos. Well, and they yeah. used to do the thing where they'd let they'd let celebrities be the bad guys on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like fucking course. Liberace as the... the what, what was, Egg, he? was he Egghead? No, he was the, no, no, that the was maestro. That was he was like literally the maestro and his power was that he played piano. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd have Big to stretch. say, for me, uh, is uh, in Hostel with Mike. Just because it's like, hey, Eli Roth. Is, is nope. Mike in Hostel? Yeah, he's, he's the Japanese businessman. Oh, I didn't realize that. And so it's just like, no, whatever fucked up thing you think you've thought of, you really haven't. Because this guy's brain farts are far more demented than anything that you've thought of. I would say the worst ones are, at least generally speaking, in those sci-fi channel movies, you know, where they're always like, we're making death, you know, pudding versus sharktopus. <laughs> death <laughs> pudding? I don't know. Why not? It's a pudding. Yeah, let's do it. With the uh, pop top. Uh, uh, ah! <laughs> The top has popped, yeah, and it, it can't stop. In England, in England, does pudding mean the same thing that it means here? No. What? That Harlequin is talking about the Joker? Uh, no. Um, Octodog. Octodog versus. I know. Now that's all I'm doing is trying to think of this Capian. Capian? Like a scorpion? But <laughs> just sounds like a Capian. Well, that'll be a joke in the movie at one point. Skybird. <laughs> Skybird. <laughs> See that? Let me explain to you why that doesn't work. No, 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 no. Let me explain fish why it does. Taco. Fish. Wait a minute. <laughs> because at some point, they're water gonna... shark, <laughs> salmon gutter. Yeah, at some point, they're, they're, they're going to run out of all of the the, the contradictory terms, right, so they, they have, have to, to go, go with the reinforcement. Right. Snake hat. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Moving on. Oh, Wait, I want to know oh, what that's about a great snake one. hat. Snake hat versus moving on. That's a David Cassidy cameo. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no, that's a, that's a Billy Joel biopic. <laughs> right. Uh, not Batman says, you guys should pick out the best Scream Factory and Criterion movies that you maybe never reviewed or have. Well, how in the fuck are we supposed to review something yeah, we don't have? Yeah, give us a list. What are we going to do? Yeah, that, 
doesn't even make sense. Like, Prove a negative. Like, pick them out and make a, I, a list? I what think, and I, I know I'm biased here, but I think the best thing that Scream Factory, Shout Factory has put out so far was their Escape from New York Blu-ray. That's gorgeous. Because not, not only is it gorgeous, which it is, it absolutely is, but they have an entire second disc of special features for that motherfucker, including an entire an entire featurette on just the soundtrack. Well, Oh. Special shout out to uh, my wife's hometown. They had to shoot it in St. Louis because uh, New York wasn't horrible enough. Yeah, no. there was a fire and it was all hey, awful. Yep. I so. wish I could be reviewing decline, their set of decline of Western civilization movies this week, but they never send me anything anymore. So, Sad. well, well, uh, I definitely have to give a shout out. And apparently, you got drunk emailed about it, uh, Day of Anger. When, when that was released on, Day of on, Anger? on Blu-ray. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Lee Van Cleef being just a gigantic badass. Like, it was it was uh, Spaghetti Western, but it, it was it's so amazing. The soundtrack is uh, it was just perfect, uh, but we, we didn't get to get to it. Fair enough. Let's, let's warp that question a little bit more and say, what would you love to see the Criterion treatment of? Ooh. Oh, we, we have gotten that question giant. before, but never as a group. So. But oh. I'm going to say South Park, Big and Longer and Uncut. And I mean that sincerely. I want there to be a South Park movie Criterion release mm-hmm. because I still think it's one of the best fucking musicals ever made. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, take that room. I thought that was going to go. Take, but, uh, I, I can't handle Brian genuine emotion. <laughs> I know. Plus, I know. Plus, is he kidding? I don't no, know. No, I'm not kidding at all. When's the That's, joke end? Where's the twist? I mean, I agree, but I don't want to say yeah, because it'll be like, ah, you loser. Oh, also, also, Tango and Cash. Oh, clearly. Well, no, I would say Kelly's Heroes. Mm. Because oh, that's, oh, that's such a great an amazing answer. movie. Yeah, right? yeah. Or just flat out The Dirty Dozen. I don't think they've really made no. a really good a re- a release of The Dirty yeah, Dozen. Yeah, but either. everybody loves The Dirty Dozen. Kelly's Heroes can, gets easily missed. It does and get easily missed. so many oddballs. And not, yeah, oddball, get it. Nah, got another Brian Herodine Stanton yeah. cameo in Ooh. that as well. You know, I was that's saying... Okay, that's the perfect cameo of recent years. Harry Dean Stanton in the Avengers. No, no, no. Yes. No, Harry that Dean was... Stanton in The Last Stand. Stop that. You don't mean that. Uh, I don't know it. I, I, for years, my answer to that question was Repo Man, but then they put it out and they did it as one of my favorite Criterion releases yeah. of all time. Wait, do you, do, yeah. do you have that? Yeah, it's amazing. It comes okay. with a book like as thick as your thumb with it. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. My dog ate it. Oh, my God. I know. I saw you post that. I was like... <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's pretty punk rock of your dog. I know, right? I know. Like, a serious right, one. Yeah, um, and uh, there's a, a long-standing uh, promise that me and Greg McLennan uh, from the draft house have that if anybody ever ever gets around to doing this as a decent release we will do a commentary track we will do what well, we, we will fly to fucking wherever it takes to do it Streets of Fire oh that love oh that my film. god so great there is, there is no oh. good release of it it's like there's a, a shitty DVD transfer and I, I, I want somebody to go back Get the negative. Fucking so, restore that thing. Well, everybody Ooh. mocks me for my collecting of archaic technologies, but I have a super rad HD DVD of Streets of Fire. <laughs> oh, okay, so I love suck it. that film so much. What I found super hilarious or, or uh, interesting when I rewatched it about a year ago is that even though they're completely different pieces, uh, the original Bubblegum Crisis anime and Streets of Fire tonally are the same damn thing. Yeah. It's fantastic. I'm gonna have to. It was also oh, a very so weird good. prequel to Eddie and the Cruisers. <laughs> <laughs> was it really? I don't know. Yes, it was. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. I thought you were just saying just there was. I would, uh, my answer would be, I would love to Eddie and the Cruisers and uh, Eddie Lizzie. They did do that. That's true. What? 
Yeah. Uh, you know there was a sequel to Eddie yeah. Vedder's Yeah, he's saying they put out a double set recently. Oh, they did. Yeah. I just want to thank you for that. Streets on Fire. <laughs> Oh, well, I would like to see yeah. a uh, a black exploitation, some criteria Me- mega set. I just like to see a really awesome mega set where you're like, here's a bunch of them with commentaries and Shaft, interviews and slaughter. One big set, you know? I would love Truck to see. Turner. Yeah, I would, yeah, but I would, Dolomite man, Do- he's the black tornado. Well, Dolomite right. would get his own set, of yeah. course. Yeah. But I would love to see like Pam Greer. Doing uh, commentary with with Jack Hill. Yeah, yeah get her while you coffee. can. For God's I mean, sake, she's not getting any younger. Yeah, and that you would be, and it would sell like crazy. You I know, think everybody would. would pounce on. I it. actually made one of those uh, a Pam Greer shirt for my my roller discos. Uh, one of them, it was like, uh, "Don't mess around with Fox and Brown." She's so you're like a you're your roller, roller disco Kind of, just, <laughs> just just kind of fell into it, and, and the the groove never left. Come on, think of all the great roller disco movies like Xanadu. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, this conversation uh, just went to a place where nobody dares to go. Moving so. on. <laughs> uh, uh, Darkman two twenty says, if you were a Bond villain, what would your name be, and what would you use as a trap for him? For a, what? Oh, a trap for him. Why would I want to be a Bond villain? I'd be Bond's buddy. I'd be his drink. I'd be Felix uh, Lighter. Yeah. You know? and the guy, no, and don't I'd be his Felix dies all the time. Yeah, but he yeah, always but he comes, comes back. back. Felix doesn't <laughs> die. All of his, like, lesser CIA contacts yeah. are the ones that no, die. No, no, Felix dies pretty regularly, actually. He gets Felix one... got his legs eaten by a shark in Live and Let Die, the book. That's that's all no, that ever Felix happened. He Felix died in one up, of the movies. Felix ends up... Uh, Upside down off a cliff. In fact, Felix is where you should really should have the theory that Felix like that like James Bond is a name and it gets passed right. on to whoever it is. Right, right. Felix Leitner is the name of of um, the American Bonds. Version. <laughs> right. uh, I don't think that's CIA right. I, no, I think you're misremembering. Leitner dies a couple of times in the film. He's also black at one point. Yeah, so he's like, serious. And then at one point, he's Jack Lord. Sometimes he's fat. Sometimes he's skinny. I can only Joe Don Baker. If they Lord. actually killed Jeffrey Wright, that's the only time I can ever remember Lighter dying in any of the Bond films. No, because he ends up no. It, he's got like CIA contacts. English. He's got. I, that, oh, I will fucking take him to task on the Bond the franchise. Films I don't are give a different shit in England. <laughs> they're different in England. England. They're like the fucking Americans. Shoot him in the head. They're different in England in that the English matter. So yeah, <laughs> you were totally misremembering. There's no what ice clip. I just want to. What movie English, were you watching? English misremember a lot. <laughs> I just want to hang out and be the guy like when the girls like Bond has had sex with in the first part of the movie when they don't die afterwards, but they're like, "What happened? You never came back." I'm like, "It's all right, honey. Come yeah. on, it's okay." <laughs> I want to be the sponsor. You want to be the rebond? Exactly. That's my yeah. thing. The sponsor? Yeah, I'm going to be a sponsor. Right when he finally up. gets cleaned up from yeah. alcohol, and you're like, "Wow, like, you're such a better spy now." Yeah. He's like, "Damn, this was easy." What's that making such a big deal about this? I, I gotta say, I think we should do more of these Mega Mondo episodes because this is. Because, this I don't know. I, I don't think you're going to be able to drive home if we do. Yeah. I think we're feeling. I, I'm feeling like I'm getting to know you, you fellas. Right. This is a yeah. bonding. And we're, experience. we, and we never people. spoke again. James bonding experience. Tristan uh, Milner says, "With digital noise hitting its 100th episode, and MLP. What's MLP?" Most likely, uh, Major League uh, Pool. I don't know. I don't Heading know. Heading its hundredth episode just a few weeks back, I must ask, what TV show do you wish could have made it to a hundred episodes aside from Young Justice and Firefly? Well, Birds of Prey. The answer is The Simpsons. Yeah, if only The Simpsons had made it to a hundred episodes. Well, no, no, I thought he meant ended at hundred oh. episodes. <laughs> Because we would have looked back like, wow, that was one of the greatest animated shows ever. I really want to know what MLP is. Uh, yeah, I don't know I'm what MLP su- is. Is that another show on... Men like pussy. Yeah, uh, that's true. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I wish they were Hannibal. If we're asking you know, more episodes of something, then more episodes of Sapphire and Steel. I, I don't even know. Which they've announced they're going to do a remake of it. It was the trippiest British science fiction series of the seventies. Uh, basically, the idea is that there's this. Uh, interdimensional police force effectively that just turns up and solves weird mysteries and then goes away. Um, those are called time cops, Richard, and they're real. No. <laughs> Wait, they well, exist. Are you talking about they the all one? Code word. You there are code it, names Richard. that are named after after elements and basically you, know, you don't want the radioactive ones turning up because that pretty much means that they will collapse your entire dimension in upon itself. And it's, I'm the, How did I never hear great. of this? I love this. So, so side cool. note, Einsteinium, originally they wanted to name it Pandemonium. Would I thought they were going to call it unobtainium. Would have. Not a, unobtainium? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, they were the- I think that was the one thing that bugged me when everyone was picking on Avatar <laughs> for. I was like, dude, that's been a science fiction joke for decades. It's, it's still been in shitty. several movies. It's still shitty. No, but yeah. it's, a, it's an in-joke. Unobtainium is like, is like on, something guys. they'd auction on The Price is Right. It's, it's a funny in-joke on sci Nobody could overbid like, on the unobtainium. I mean, Gal- it was a joke on Galaxy Quest as well. That well, was yeah, like the but, magic stuff in Galaxy Quest. Look, all like, I'm saying is that you shouldn't, you shouldn't use those inside jokes. One of us. One of us. <laughs> Uh, I'd say anything that Brian Fuller did should have reached 100 episodes. And Studio, Studio 60. Really? Yeah. I would have loved to have seen I was at that point where I was really with it for the first few episodes, and they got into the whole pregnancy storyline, and the whole thing started getting too soapy for Studio me. Studio 60. That's like, eh. My answer to that. Oh, don't, yeah. don't trust the bitch in apartment for me. Oh, Tubi. Yeah, Tubi. no, that's so great. Very no, it's, the, it's, yeah. James Van Der Beek You're going to the wrong apartment and calling some poor woman a bitch. <laughs> James Van Der Beek is a scumbag who happens to be in the right is rather wonderful. And I, I'm still going to reinforce Brimstone, because Zach Barnes. Yes. Oh, God, so good. So sad. That I didn't even further. see most what of was the one with the, the, I know it's saying that vampire who's a cop, but <laughs> the vampire other cop? one. Oh, was night. Stop. No, not no. that one. Um, no, no, no. Uh, Moon uh, something. Moonlight. I think Moon it was night. called. Because uh, it was Forever Night. Everybody watched that one. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking Forever Night. Well, I don't think. It, I think ratings will prove that not everybody watched it, that it, one. Well, it lasted oh. for like six seasons. Oh, so. God. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. Anyway, uh, we better get back to the reviews. This is going to be a six-hour episode. <laughs> moon koala. Yeah. Or koala moon. Oh shit! Uh, no, I'm not happy. Well, you know what? <laughs> Valerie. And her week of wonder. Yay! Johnny Neal's so excited to talk about this film. Hooray for Terrible I don't really Warren. know if I'm going to make any comprehensible sentences. Well, well that will it. fit. Well, the neither film. did the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the also other... titled "You Better Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself" because <laughs> it's Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Uh, this is Shut up, you. other Criterion release this week, which makes me wonder if Criterion's starting to get a little desperate. To be little honest. Bit. I think they ought to yeah. do a coffee Jack Hill. Well, commentary movie. I agree. Well, they need to just expand. Well, no, I agree, but this was an odd choice for them. And I do enjoy this film, but it's oh, not. Didn't. It's something you go. Really? It's something you go, like, this really criterion? Because this is, like, you know, kind of C grade absurdist camp. Right. You know? like, like, like a criterion hammer flick would have been way better than this. Yeah, you wonder why that's something they haven't right. gotten into. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like, how, how great it would be if they did the first couple of Christopher Lee, like, uh, Dracula films. It was kind of like a Czechoslovakian carnival of souls. Yeah. Well, like kind the of people all had weird, whited out makeup. I mean, and... there's absurdist aspects to Carnival of Souls, but it's an understandable narrative. Right. Oh, this, yeah, yeah. This I is, just meant stylistically, like the color saturation. Yeah, and yeah. The, yeah, but this was the makeup, basically The bad like, white makeup so was... She, 
she, she got her period, right? Like, that's what's going well, on. Well, I mean, like, the whole thing is... is <laughs> that's what you say to everything. Well, that's the thing, though. Is well, that he's it's right, though. True. It's yeah. true, though. That is the, pretty true. much the premise of this movie, is this girl gets her period, woman. Yeah. starts being attracted to dudes, and dreams everybody's a vampire. <laughs> yeah. And, and, unquestionably, maybe wants to fuck her brother. Not quite sure. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I watched well, a little them be thorns. Exactly. <laughs> That's the theme. Incest, incest is the theme of this week's digital noise. Incest, fellas. Oh, come I thought on. it was old Wait. white guys who were way past their prime, insisting on being paid attention. Wait, it's incest the is Johnny the theme. Neal show. Incest is the theme. <laughs> Motherfucker. Uh, I see what you're saying. Hi Unless you're fucking. I, my I, okay, back yeah. to this fantastically cool, weird little movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it a lot. I, I just there was something about it that I was going. Okay, I don't really get what's happening here. You're not supposed to. I don't think I'm supposed to. I think I'm just supposed to, like, watch it. And so I did and found myself enjoying it. The disc comes with an alternate soundtrack from a psychedelia band. Yeah, I didn't listen to that version of it. You did? How was that? I mean, did it add or? It was was no big brother in holding company, I'll say that What Janis Joplin and her week of wonders. <laughs> no, that would have been fantastic because my uncle went to high school with her. So, wow, yeah. that's weird. Is how many people were really influenced by this movie, but mainly musicians. Yeah, who were really into this because they really wanted to nail thirteen-year-olds. Well, that's a weird thing about this movie because this girl who plays Valerie, uh, she, she's supposed to be thirteen years old in the movie, and she's beautiful. She it is, is like really beautiful. perfect piece, p- uh, picture of innocence. And very shortly into the we film, know that you said peace. If it's all right, very shortly <laughs> into the film, she starts taking all her clothes off, and you're like, okay, well, she's obviously not really thirteen. No, she is. And then we read no. the line, and I'm like, ah, she's really hot. And then you read the line, and it's later, no, no she was thirteen. 13. And you're like, yeah. God damn it, Criterion! I, I looked her, <laughs> or God damn it, Czechoslovakia! I looked her up on on uh, uh, Google, yeah. and. Oh my God! Did she grow into a beautiful? Woman uh, she's in still her, beautiful. Twenties. Well, I, mean, I can really. This is all kinds of inappropriate. <laughs> this is the most inappropriate episode we've had yet. Well, yeah. look, just because these guys are saying, "Look, I drill you when you were 13. I'll drill you while you're 72." If Let's I was, just do if this. I was 13 at the time, I would have drilled her. But I would not. She would her. not have let you come anywhere. I was a she hot was, 13. <laughs> she was a movie star, Christopher. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have understood. You would have had no game with that check chick. Well, she, only because she wouldn't have understood English. <laughs> exactly. You'd have been like, y'all are in the wild and crazy guys. Right? <laughs> Check I, I wouldn't what the fuck to happened to this show? It was so good 40 episodes ago. I wouldn't be shocked if, if the next film we review is actually the, the Lifetime Aaliyah biopic, because it's seemingly Ooh. in around here. Age is nothing but a number. You, you missed your chance for that one. Right? No, no, I avoided that one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this, like Valerie's like idea is like she basically yeah we said it is like basically she goes starts going through puberty and suddenly she goes to sleep and suddenly uh, there's something to do with her earrings that are missing and then reappearing and then they and appear on a pole cat awesome, yeah. that that <laughs> like a, a keeps weasel. turning into a vampire guy with except instead of long teeth he's just got redneck teeth and he looks like Michael McKean <laughs> yeah he does bit, yeah. that may or may not be her father and yeah. this other guy she keeps almost sleeping with who may or may not be her brother and when she finds out that he's her bro- she's he's probably a brother makes no difference at all no 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 it, it does that. it does but until like very thornily he says it's like no i'm totally not your brother come on let's yeah. just do it but this uh, this is just it's surrealism it's and surrealism, and, surrealism. And goofy weird surrealism it had a kind of a stagey feel there were only a few places yeah you know sets 
um, and this storybook village in Czechoslovakia. And her room was all perfectly white. I love the way they framed her room. Yeah. Like it was a secret camera up above the door. No, I agree with you. I thought, I thought visually this is actually pretty gorgeous. It's I, just, I really enjoyed this is it. A movie, I didn't get it, but I enjoyed it. This is a movie for like like people who like to get high a lot more than anything else. Yeah, I, I think, think so. <laughs> you yeah. know, get really stoned, watch this and go, I don't know what just happened, but it was beautiful. Yeah, no, I, I feel like it's definitely a movie for people who want to go like, you didn't get it, then you're an idiot. That's that's probably <laughs> true. Uh, <laughs> next up is... Well, I, I, I want to say that her adolescence wasn't just sexual and period related. It was like... <laughs> it was a period you know, piece. Come on. Come uh, on. Uh, <laughs> No, 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 but it was filmed in the period. Her parents were were gone, and she lived with her grandmother, and just all this weird stuff. Then her grandmother would turn into a vampire or something. Grandpire. Or her hot grandmother, because you love how all the old people—they're just wearing white they're pancake wearing that makeup. Weird white makeup. But then they like the first opportunity the movie gets. It's like, oh, break her shirt open. There you go. Yeah. Oh no, she was a booming granny. <laughs> yeah, like, like, she was. Whoa. I would have been the makeup guy. Well, like, you got to play thirteen. <laughs> no, the grandmother. Character. The grandmother. No, yeah. I, I know, but if yeah. the girl's only thirteen, yeah, she's probably yeah, she 18, was sixteen. All right, <laughs> keep it respectful. It's like, and in Czechoslovakia, that's over the hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, you can you can only train moving on. From 13 yeah. year old nudity. Boy, we're making Richard really ugly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call you Pace from now on. You need to go introduce yourself to the neighbors. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like, I don't need any more attention paid to this. Uh, next up is The Forger, which we're going to let Brian Salisbury start with because yeah, he does a John Travolta impression. Oh my God, you guys, you see The Forger? Oh my God, so good. <laughs> I wish it would have been Vic right. Barberino. Oh, absolutely. Because you know, I felt like it was like uh, uh, everybody's favorite sweat hog. This was the follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, that's oh what God. I thought when I was watching. It's like, that's what he did after Gabe Kaplan died. <laughs> After Mr. Wood, Mr. Cotton, Mr. Cotton, yeah, that, this movie is bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, all that to say. <laughs> this movie is bad. <laughs> this movie is, you know, this was on par with know. the Sean Penn movie <laughs> and the Black Knights movie and all those other Last old Nights. men. Why has it got to be black? John? Because Morgan Freeman's <laughs> in it. <laughs> Whatever. Does that let black one in those days? I mean, every all of the movies that I watched this week were like, God. Yeah, we gave Johnny all the old shit. People, it's gonna. I'm 52 now. When I'm 62, I'm gonna fucking blow my brains out. Hey, hey Johnny, I don't, I don't, guys. I don't want to undercut you, but it was distributed by the same company that distributes Power Rangers. <laughs> So let's put this. Oh my god! It was Saban Films. Uh-huh. Yeah. What the fucking? And those fuck? guys all turned out okay. The right. One, the one thing you can say about this film that's good is John Travolta getting his just desserts as a douchebag. <laughs> hey, look what I do not know what you're in now. Oh my god! Oh no, the, his 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 facial hair is the worst penance anybody can serve. <laughs> well, he. Oh my god! The little anybody who has that stupid little soul patch thing. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sakes! If you're over the age of thirty. His little tops. His now, little my feeling nips. is if you're not over the age of about 70 and you're not wearing nylon socks and playing a big steel body guitar on a Chicago corner. Yeah, that works you know. too. I mean, there's an exclusive club where it works perfectly. True. Uh, but here he plays a guy who's just gotten out of prison, even though he cut a deal with a mobster to get out of prison early, even though he only had a few months left on the sentence. And we find out it's because his son is dying of, I believe it was brain cancer, Super and doesn't cancer. have very long to live, and he really wants to spend <laughs> that last amount of time with his son. The problem is, is that 
if he doesn't do this deal for the mobster, which is basically go back to his old ways of being a kick-ass art forger. To forge forger. one of the most famous, most recognizable Monet, paintings yes, in the yeah, world. I yeah. mean, it's not like he's forging some obscure couple of weird little Well, people no, don't realize no. most forgings are done of, like, pre-painting sketches. Right. Like, most forgeries are of that stuff. Nobody, it's almost never does anybody actually forge You're not like big, do Mona famous Lisa, paintings. Like, right. <laughs> you know, it has happened, but it's not common. And certainly not today, where it's like you'd have to spend millions just to realistically create one that might pass well, for you, like the Mona Lisa or Monet or something. As, you know? as, as one of those arty types, the, 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 the big thing that I was like, no, that's not going to happen, was like all the punching and, and, and stuff that he did with his hands is like anybody who uses their hands to make this shit is <laughs> Would never, never gonna do, do any. I'll of kick that. you in the throat. I'm not going to punch you with my hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only punk rock drummers get in fights. Anyway, uh, so have you seen that movie? About the art forger, I can't think of the title of the it. The documentary? Now. Yeah, it's the, a documentary with uh, the recent one with the guy who was kind of mentally he's old and skinny. And, yeah, yeah. That movie's fascinating. Don't watch this movie. Watch that, <laughs> or watch or watch F for Fake. Yep, by Orson yeah, Orson Welles. Yeah. Wells. Yeah. There you go. It's also a really interesting movie. And about I guess forgery, but uh, <laughs> like. He tries to get after his son, and his son's like, look, I, you're going to let me do anything I want now because I'm dying. I'm my last request, and I want to help you do this last, like, deal. And he's like, fuck. He's All like, right. what? This is this deal. Hey, oh, my God. When? And it's really just kind of dull. Yeah, it's so dull. Even, even Christopher, Christopher Plummer, who's who's making a second appearance on this podcast, this yeah. old it was man. just like, ugh, I get it. That's a cute accent. Oh, this movie was terrible. It was, really, it was more boring than Sean Penn's brain damage. I was the, I was the most thing uh, I was upset at was like a oh man he was gonna have sex with a prostitute and then he didn't get to. That, yeah. that was about it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're running out of time now, so we're gonna have to go to our last title of the week, which is also our giveaway. Uh, it's actually also my pick of the week. Uh, it's the wow. Noah Baumbach film While Mine We're too. Young. Wow. Uh, I surprised myself with this. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I'm a big Noah Baumbach fan anyway, and I think this is one of his better films, quite frankly. He's always... I've liked all his films, but to differing degrees. You know, you're like, some you're like, yeah, that's good. And the others, you're like, oh my God, I loved it. <laughs> and this is actually one of those ones I really loved, uh, which surprised me because... I'm not a fan of Ben Stiller, at least as an actor, so much anymore. He always plays the same fucking character. And here is like, oh, this is a much more nuanced, interesting version of admittedly that same character. But still, a much more like, oh, that guy seems like a real person. Well, yeah, he. I, I feel like he wasn't given uh, permission to do Ben Stillery things. And so that really worked uh, as far as my watching him do it. Yeah. Uh, the story here is uh, Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts are kind of a, you know, almost middle-aged couple. They're having, their relationship is struggling a little bit. It's like, I guess they're a little too overused to each other. They never else. had kids. Yeah, never had kids. Uh, and they meet, he's working on this really pretentious documentary that's been going on for years. He can't even he explain it. He can't explain it. He won't finish it. It's like four hours and counting or something like that. And just when you watch clips from it, you're like, who the fuck would ever watch this thing? When they end up meeting a young couple played by Adam Driver and Amanda uh, Seafried, who are just, who they find exciting. They're like, oh, I mean, they've they've got the, you know, the full blush of youth and the excitement of young artists and just try anything and just improvise. And he's kind of just blown away by them at first. And as time goes on, it ends up becoming more of a sort of like, jealousy and then distrust and then even fear 
of use. And I feel like the exploration of this in this film, the way that he's sort of coming to terms with his midlife crisis in a very non-traditionally Hollywood fashion of expressing it, you know, of like seeing through his reactions to this kid, like coming finally to peace with the fact it's like, I'm not that guy anymore, but it's okay that I'm not. I thought it was really kind of transformative and beautiful. And also Bombach you know, has said that this is the first time he's tried to do a film about couples yeah. and that he's never felt that he was ready to actually do that. He was, you know, he could write about single characters, but he couldn't write about interactions in that way. And all his characters previously have been very alienated or, you know, really don't like other people or misanthropic. Here you really get a feeling of two couples interacting. And, you know, that is its strength. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're, it's also very much about how hipsters are fucking awful and should be arrested. Yes. 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 This is one of the better sci-fi movies we've covered in a while. <laughs> Invasion of the Body Hipsters. Uh, oh, because, because Adam Driver played a human being? No, because Ben Stiller slowly... It's, it literally is this weird assimilation story about Ben Stiller learning how to be a hipster. And it's just like, he, right down to the buying the hat, and the getting the old-fashioned bicycle, and going to the, the guru to cleanse your... I'm just like, what is happening to this? I like that it comes around where it's like... Because at the beginning of the movie, you think, wait a minute, so is the solution to midlife crisis to just be a different type of douchebag? Because I don't think that really fixes anything. But the real message of the movie is that everyone is a douchebag. I don't think that was the message. That's what I got from this fucking movie. My message, I I love the cast, first of all. Naomi Naomi Watts. Oh, it's so wonderful. She's been my favorite actress since Mulholland Drive. uh, I just think she's amazing. uh, Yeah, that was where I first went. Who is this? Oh, my God. Wait, that's not Nicole Kidman? IMDb, IMDb. (laughs) But still Australian. Point being, (laughs) what I found was that I I felt like he kind of, that Ben Stiller realized, I'm an adult now. You know, that was what the big lesson was. And he said, I'm an adult because my values are different than the generation that's following me. He, he was a documentarian of the old school who didn't get along with his his father-in-law, who was also a documentarian from an even older school. Right. And whereas Adam Driver is like a reality TV documentarian. You know, right. his idea is set it up and shoot it, set it up and shoot it. If they're saying their own words, it's still real. It's still a documentary and Ben Stiller is going, that's not ethical. That's not the way it's done. Well, there's I, this, that's one of my favorite things about this. Yeah. Was it yeah. actually, while discussing all these issues about aging, and about responsibility, and about being honest to yourself, it is actually one of the best films about documentaries. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, this discussion of what the responsibility of, of the documentarian to be honest 100%, <laughs> and how honest can you be? And... I have to say that I did kind of get a bit... And, and Bombach kind of went off a little bit on the end where he regards the morality of what is acceptable in documentary because, you know, having seen what happened to things like Catfish and people... And I'm surprised there haven't been more people going, is the wolf pack real? Because you're having a few people saying this seems a bit... Like, we're too... Well, we, we keep we finding out. We love this story too much. It seems like once a year, a major documentary now, we find out, yeah. oh, there was a ton of bullshit in it. Yeah, like so Blackfish was one of the last... Yeah, yeah. I think that like, when oh, you get shit. to that level of... Uh, Blackfish like was? Yeah, yeah, a lot of that was faked. Like Jaws? The SeaWorld documentary? <laughs> yeah, like all the accusations against SeaWorld, it turned out they made up huge amounts of yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it was stuff more like B-World. All right. Yeah. <laughs> 
They even um, made another film about bullshit like No, that's, that's actually a, a whole yeah. fucking industry is making films that are debunking other documentaries. And Especially, yeah. It's well, it's just like journalism that. in general. It's almost like it doesn't matter if we tell the truth because if we get busted, people are going to look into us more. Yeah, true. Yeah. You know, and that's the the weird truth of where we still are. still sell ads. Well, the docu- yeah. documentary is sensationalism, which is really where we're at at this point to some level where, like, now it's become pop culture in and of itself. We are paying attention to documentaries. They can make a lot of money. Yeah. And so people are, like... Using them to exploit stuff to be able to get people to talk about them and get excited and exaggerating like crazy the stuff, knowingly changing the facts because it'll make that many more people talk about it and come see the movie. Which is sad because it means the documentaries that actually are completely honest. And you see so many during, um, particularly festival season, where you go, this doesn't need anything else. This is a great, tragic brilliant, incisive documentary, and it's no distribution, fuck you, we're going to go with something stupid that feels a little bit more sensational for five seconds because it plays a game. Which is what Adam Driver's character is. I have to say, Adam Driver is such a convincing scumbag in this film that I actually want to see uh, Star Wars Episode 7 less because he really annoyed me so much. It's just this complete complete fucking creep. I I really don't see you in that environment. Well, so so, uh, my bigger takeaway uh, from the movie was was kind of how uh, Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts, they obviously had marital issues, but instead of just... uh, saying like I can't do this anymore I quit they actually worked on it yeah, yeah. like that was that was far more impressive like responsible adults yes that's that, and honestly that's that's not been a big trend in movies and lately I it's get, been about finding your groove I get in some degree because I mean like doing this for so long now shit over 10 years like I interact more with 20 somethings than I do with anybody else because they're the fan group and sometimes you're like oh yeah okay I want to be like find out what's cool and find out like no I'm I gotta make peace with the fact I'm just too old for the, some of that shit because it just doesn't interest me anymore I'm like Look, yeah. I'm looking around your living room right now <laughs> yeah but that's all nostalgia Johnny <laughs> that's all nostalgia <laughs> yeah a lot of South Park yeah. nostalgia nostalgia for things like the interview for example <laughs> the interview you literally have an interview sippy oh, cup well, sitting on top of they sent it for free they sent it for free that's all my no that's just stuff. hoarding Chris <laughs> yeah Bye-bye. you talk to my girlfriend and try and get rid of stuff no Oh, I would never. Yeah, you better. Yeah, she takes a hard line at the interview. <laughs> Actually, she would have killed me if I had thrown away the interview sippy cup. <laughs> hey, do you remember when we was had that, consp- that discussion? Remember the conspiracy theory what? that the whole thing with North Korea was like actually just a way to, to gin up more publicity for the interview and it was going to get released like, oh, no, it's true, cinematically? Yeah. No, it's yeah, true. Still North Korea doesn't on exist. That one, all those douchebags who, who said, <laughs> no, no. They're actually playing a long game, you fucking idiot. Can I, can I ask an existential question about your stuff? Yeah. Is a, is a sippy cup a cup at all if it's being used as display and not being no. drank out of? It is not. And it's just uh, a have you thought about employing dildo. it and making it what it actually you is? You should see our cabinet of sippy cups. It's just full of dildos. <laughs> not even Is that a metaphor? I have, we have a deal that if she gets new sippy cups, old sippy cups have to get thrown away. Wow. Yeah. I just like that we kept saying sippy cups. I know. So. It's so gay. <laughs> so, giveaways. I think when the last five minutes of your show is is just the word sippy cup being repeated, it's probably a sign we do need to get to the You are. I am, you're sippy like the, the, the March sippy. Hare with your damn pocket watch <laughs> running around. It is. We have been doing yeah. this for almost three fucking hours. Well, let, me, let me just, let say, me just, let me just, just add one thing. As it long is, as we're referencing Alice in Wonderland, Richard, eat me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let me let me just add that this is a very funny movie. On top of all the yeah. philosophical stuff and 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 everything, it's a very enjoyable movie to watch. I enjoyed that, but it is that. actually about something, which yeah. most of the movies we've listed tonight are no, not so about not really anything. So about and this is a movie that's King. about so yeah, Fisher King's about how great bums are. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but, but Eddie Fisher was nowhere in that movie. There was one sequence I think that. that <laughs> really felt like it actually fell out of a 1970s um, uh, relationship uh, sitcom uh, where they go and take drugs and mind expanding stuff that came from the South it came from South America and it really felt like oh this came out of it like a bad Woody Allen that was the only thing about this film that I disliked I, I loved everything else about it that's becoming really a thing now no, no, but actually, I, the stuff oh, that's yeah. becoming a real thing I, actually I, I've, I've got personal experience because uh, well she was my wife my ex-wife decided that she was going to go find herself by going to Peru to go on an ayahuasca trip and you know what Ooh. she found out she can puke a whole lot <laughs> <laughs> the thing is like I used to party with psychedelics and everything when I was younger a lot and every once in a while it'll come up so I'm going hey do you want to take acid with me and there's that moment I go huh I used to love that. And then I go, oh, fuck no, dude. That's like 12 hours Ugh. of like soul searching that nine times out of ten is like, oh, I don't like what I found. When you yeah, roll should man. not soul search. Yeah. There's, there's no depth there to, to, to I do. I prefer right. plastic, not Rich, paper. Richard, tell people how they can win while oh. we're young. Okay, here we go. You <laughs> need to follow us on Twitter. One of us, at one of us net. You need to... Um, Tweeted us using the hashtag um, Sippy Cup. <laughs> Sippy Cup giveaway. Yeah, we're going to go with that because we're idiots. Uh, Sippy Cup giveaway, and you have to answer this question. Uh, if you had the entire, to, you could cast the entire Digital Noise crew uh, to revamp any kind of action team franchise. Oh, like we were talking about earlier. What about the which, little rascals? Which what? Don't give them clues. <laughs> uh, we were discussing the earlier, like you know, Avengers. What are you movie ensemble cast? Movie ensemble cast. Which one would we be completely worse suited for? Worse suited. Worse suited for. Okay. Yeah. Bonus Clearly. points for fan art. Yeah. Just saying. Bonus yeah. Competency is obviously. <laughs> and we will send you no porn spoofs either. A Blu-ray of this movie, which so. is worth it. Yeah. We, it yeah, really is. It really is. This really is one I will revisit yeah. for sure. Uh, it's what I'm going to steal from you, actually. Man, a hundred episodes. Jesus. Yeah. Why Ooh. the fuck did we do that? I don't. It feels know. like we did a hundred episodes just today. We <laughs> just begun. Believe it or not, this is not the longest digital noise episode. No, it's <laughs> we probably recorded not. Longer yeah. ones. Well, coming up next is a lot of empty noise. A lot of empty noise. Is that? Is that hang what's on, happening? hang on. Don't, shouldn't you be doing something right now, Brian? I'm looking for somebody sent us a really awesome piece of, of fan art specifically for this show, and I feel so bad that I can't fucking find it. Well, now. we'll post it with the show. We will post so. it with the show. Thank you. You know who you are. I'm really sorry that I Isn't fucked there something that. Something you say. Was it John Travolta? Come on, come on, rap. Oh yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> it's you know no release too big, no release too small. Oh, my God, he's method. Criterion to uh, catastrophe. Oh, we review them all. That's, I don't know. I, I have a lot of voices in my head. 100! In fact. Do any of them sound like people? No. Bye! Bye.